Welcome to your sanity safe space with your favorite YouTube podcast duo. Skag free, whoever he is. Get your blood fascist ass out of here! Saving the millennial generation in weekly installments. You are a terrific team on all counts. Live from a castle tower and his mother's basement, this, this is the Matt and Blonde Show. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true international over depression. <laughs> Hey, why the fuck is the gas so hot, bitch? Out here in the fields, I fought for my meals. When a person can be married in the morning and thrown out of a restaurant for being gay in the afternoon, something is still fundamentally wrong in this country. Kill me. And that still exists. I got out of the car, two men leaned up and kissed one another. I turned and looked at my dad, and he just looked at me and said, Joey, it's simple. They love one another. Kill me! Many of those people will probably have AIDS. And I want you all the LGBTQ Americans to know the Biden-Harris administration has your back. Ha! I want some butts! And it's a ban on transgender Americans serving in the military. They can shoot as straight as anybody else I know. I doubt it. You are fake news. We're not paid actors. It really happened. Very fake news. You sound like a hysterical, bleeping, snowflake, lesbo bleep. It's not against the law, ho, fuck you. Fed, 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 fed. All right, America, go to the YouTube right now. Big ups to Rebecca for keeping Matt woke. Congratulations <laughs> to both of you. You're awesome. I can't do it. We'll do it live. We'll do it live! <laughs> fuck it, we'll do it live! Hello and welcome to the show. It is a great show. It is a terrific show. It is a tremendous show. Frankly, the very best. You can ask anyone about that. People often do. I'm told this is the Matt and Blonde Show. My name is Matt Christensen. I'm flanked on my right, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Blonde. Welcome. Hello. We're about to hit World War Three, but that's Okay. Because it's my birthday week. Wednesday, specifically, the 18th. Which does remind me, I know that privately, I wished you a happy birthday. So I didn't miss it entirely, but I forgot to say happy birthday on air. Partly because you were in Japan for your birthday. I think I'm going to stick to 29 forever. I I was going to say, we either were 20 or 80. I don't really know which one is closer to the truth. Publicly, we're either 20 or 80. Take your pick on which is more accurate. Um, But of course, we will catch up on the latest in the war in Gaza, plus a whole grab bag of stories and updates for you tonight. A lot of things to cover. So it'll be a lot of quick hitters. Uh, Steve Scalise tried to become House Speaker, and that didn't work. So he abruptly quit. And now it's Jim Jordan's turn and things aren't looking much better vote wise. So another week, another lack of a House Speaker. But I'm not convinced that's a bad thing. Oh, no. No congressional business to conduct. No foreign aid to issue. What a bummer. Joe Biden, uh, you heard it in the intro there, panders to the gays at a D.C. dinner. And if you thought those clips were aged, no, those are fresh this weekend. The same stories he's been telling for months now regurgitated with his own acknowledgement. Uh, I know I've told this story many times. Yes, you have. And it's been debunked many times. The strangest thing he said is not really the story about it, the classic of his that I saw those gay guys kissing and my dad told me that's there's nothing strange about oh, yeah. that, Joey. 
But the strangest okay. thing he said is he was talking about assault weapons and how <laughs> assault weapons are a danger to the gays because it's nothing but homophobes with assault weapons trying to kill them all the time. He said nobody needs a hun- hundred rounds in the chamber. And I'm just thinking, where can I get a hundred a gun with a hundred rounds in the chamber? Gibby, Gibby, Gibby. Maybe that I don't know. People who understand, people who know some of the uh, lesser known pieces of firearms history and technology might be able to educate me. As far as I'm aware, I've never heard of a gun with a hundred rounds in the chamber. But we'll try to figure that out. Senator Bob Menendez gets a new charge in his corruption case. The uh, try to contain your glee, okay, for the sake of appearances. That Josh Kruger murder case, my God, has that. This is the Philadelphia killing. Oh, it's so funny. Every Except angle now of it. I feel really bad for the perp. <laughs> he's he's like the Desmond, where you understand why he did it. Desmond yeah. in the future. I mean, it um, sucks to be like a gay ghetto black dude. Because it's not accepted in their community, so they're especially... Like, he was just lying to his family about it. Until he oh, had to murder true? this guy. Yeah. Every piece that, that a so-called bigot would have speculated about this story turn, looks like it's true. There is yeah. alleged grooming, if not pedophilia, like sexual acts with this kid at a pretty young age. So there's that angle. That's true. And the, then this guy was surely giving people HIV left, right, and sideways. He so was HIV know, positive, he, which I was. said jokingly, and that turns out to be true. Be true. Um, I think uh, maybe he saved lives. The uh, his killer. Yeah. Yeah. And among the many poorly aged uh, Josh Kruger tweets, the one where he said, you know, uh, calling uh, gay people a bunch of pedophiles is just uh, an unjustified right wing. No, no, I'm not saying all gays are pedophiles. I'm just saying that Josh Kruger may have been hiding a thing or two when he was tweeting. He that was out. a hebophile. Well, thank you for being technical, but I think the moral questions remain. And that uh, is when you like a post-pubescent boy, not when you like a Jewish boy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank, I forgot. Hey. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Uh, plus, of course, we have Hoax Hate, and tonight's movie review is seven. Of course, we'll catch up with your super chats in between topics as well. Ten bucks and up on the Sunday show because we are no good low down money grabbers. It will be all this and more in your favorite couple hours of listening material. Remember, you can find everything show related and support the show for as little as a buck a month over on the website. That is mattchristensenmedia.com. Listener support is hugely appreciated and it is what keeps the show operational. So if you enjoy the show, please consider supporting the show. We also have show merchandise for sale on the site. Plus, we have offers from our friendly listener-owned businesses as well. This week's feature business is our friends at Kineo Mountain Woodsmithing. These are high-quality, handmade, premium hardwood cutting boards, charcuterie boards, serving trays, and more, all constructed with the materials and craftsmanship to last a lifetime. And the best part about Kineo Mountain's work is it's all customizable, not just in the selection of the materials and the shapes and the colors, but in custom engraving too. Blake at Kineo Mountain made me a cutting board engraved with my own channel logo, and it looks incredible. It's a one-of-a-kind personalized addition to our kitchen that we use nearly every day, and it hasn't aged a bit. 
And don't forget, Kineo Mountain can handle all sorts of woodworking from small table trays to big furniture projects. So if you're looking for a personalized gift for someone special or bigger items to customize your home, make it fine hardwood craftsmanship from Kineo Mountain Woodsmithing, the absolute highest quality woodworking that will last you forever. Check them out at kineowood.com. That's K-I-N-E-O wood.com. And of course, listeners of this show get 10% off all Kineo Mountain Woodsmithing products and services using promo code MATT10 at checkout. That's promo code MATT10 for 10% off everything from Kineo Mountain Woodsmithing. You can find everything you need from our friends at Kineo Mountain Woodsmithing, plus other great offers from the rest of our friendly listener-owned businesses like Hero Soap Company, Western Razor Company, Sonoran Defense Technologies, and more. That's at mattchristensenmedia.com slash deals, deals by listeners for listeners, and don't forget, all three of our signature soaps are still available from Hero Soap Company. You can try Timberline and Old West from yours truly, or try Oat Plus Almond from Blonde, or try all three. Plus, Hero Soap is also offering shampoo and conditioner now. Speaking of, soon there will be a limited batch, special edition shampoo and conditioner selected by me. So, what? Yes. I don't know if I can. That reveal... was an authentic reaction, but I, I'm actually pretty surprised by it. I actually have not told you what my selection was. I was I was sent a bunch of secret scents that the public has not seen yet, and I had my choice. So this wasn't really my design per se, like the ball tingler, but this was my selection of some secret recipes. Okay. okay. My only hint is um it's tropical. Oh, you're not going to tell me? You it's, just made it sound like you were going to tell me. It's tropical. And I was thinking, what could I name this that's like Boogaloo themed that isn't cringe? Because that's like 2019. <laughs> so I, I didn't come up with a name. So we're going with a plain Pineapple. Name. Is it pineapple? You might be onto something. But I have to leave it to Hero to make the formal announcement soon. Or me with their permission, which I don't have yet. But it's coming soon. Of course, uh... Check it out, HeroSoapCompany.com, promo code MCLISTENER for 10% off everything, including our signature soaps or anything else that they offer. Find more information at MattChristensenMedia.com slash deals as well. Getting into the news, man, did I get excited because I actually learned of this story through a chatter on Wednesday. And um, of all the uh, paranormal things or tinfoil or just mysteries of the world, the one that fascinates me the most is Bigfoot. That's so stupid. Bigfoot is awesome. Allow me. So one of the Easter, if you look in the background of my channel down there on the shelf, there's a little Bigfoot figurine too. You can hardly see it, but that's kind of the point. He shouldn't be obviously displayed. This story got debunked so fast. How fast did that kill your Bigfoot boner? Uh, Like four seconds after I didn't even reach full erection. It was, it was that (laughs) fast. It was so fast. Um, yeah, but yeah, Anyway, without going into too much detail of how much I love Bigfoot, I my interest was piqued by an audience member asking me on Wednesday, have you seen the new Bigfoot footage? I thought, my God, I have not. Got to check this out. Well, as you mentioned, it's basically already debunked, but we'll take a look at it anyway. Stetson and Shannon Parker are a couple from Wyoming who were aboard a train between Durango and Silverton, Colorado last weekend. Shannon and Stetson were observing the landscape looking for elk when Stetson spotted what he thought was, yes, Bigfoot. The guy next to them started recording on his phone, 
Shannon says she believes based on what she saw in the video. Now, I'm not sure when she issued this quote that she believes it might have been right on the posting before the rest of this information came out. But maybe she still believes. And if she does, I I admire that. But the video shows, yeah, what appears to be a large tan colored ape like creature (laughs) walking across the hillside and then squatting. Here's the video. An elusive creature. All right, just squat it down. So to get you a little bit better view, looks a lot like the Patterson-Gimlin footage from California back in the 60s or whenever that was. He's taking a dump now. (laughs) He looks like he belongs taking a dump on the streets of San Francisco or something. You're right. Uh, Did did you see the footage before the debunking? Did at any point did that convince you? No. No, you're not a Bigfoot person. No. Well, immediately there was speculation that the nearby Silverton-based RV company Sasquatch Expedition Campers could be involved. They have something to market, and they're very interested in Sasquatch. Now, Sasquatch Expedition Campers responded to this speculation by denying that they had any involvement with a what appears to be a tongue-in-cheek post. They said it wasn't us, and their post has hair all over it, as though to imply that Bigfoot wrote the post. Uh, The company then posted a promotion for new social media followers to win free merchandise. So it was clear that they were trying to trying to cash in on this a little bit. Indeed, you go to the company's website, Sasquatch Expedition Campers, and there is their mascot looking exactly like that tan creature walking across the hill. So uh, marketing plot. Well done. I get up here. I am looking at their website, giving them free advertising. Uh, They just they seized on my love of Bigfoot and. uh, they're getting some some eyes because of it. So I have to give them a slow clap because they generated the interest. But anyway, OK, so you didn't you didn't buy into the Bigfoot sighting this week. What do you think of the airplane stuck in the air video? Uh, I, I hate to say it, but I think I'm team physics on this one. Hmm. It may be another <laughs> glitch in the Matrix. Now, the video definitely looks weird. Would you grant that this video is more convincing of something weird than the Bigfoot video. For sure. This is strange video that emerged this week of a Delta airplane looking stuck in the air mid flight. This footage was taken by a passenger on another plane, apparently near the San Francisco airport. At least this appears to be the San Mateo Hayward bridge in the Southern part of the Bay. Uh, Here's the footage posted on Twitter on Friday. This is from another plane, and it looks like that other plane is just hovering over the bridge, not moving at all. So the uh, this had to be just some trick because of the movement of the plane that the guy was in. That's what all the that's what big physics wants you to believe as our <laughs> original poster is saying. So the guy who posted the video, his name is Will Manitis Manitis. He um he posted this video and said, watched a plane pause in the air today and y'all still think physics is real. And then, of course, even though I gather he's being sarcastic, at least I'm 99 percent sure all the actuallys came into his response and into his replies to explain how this is uh this is uh you know a known effect given the trajectories and speeds of these planes and all that 
but I appreciated his response to these people. Uh, he tweeted lots of quote unquote physics understander <laughs> physics understanders. Sorry, let me title them properly. Lots of physics understanders in the quote tweets or the replies pretending that they've never dropped a pound of bricks and a pound of feathers at the same time and disproved Newtonian physics at home. It's really the second sentence that I love here. Didn't realize big physics had this many shills. <laughs> so he is, uh, in addition to posting a video that's just, I think, scientifically interesting, he is having a great time with the trolling. But the replies to the video note that this is really an illusion of perspective. If you look closely, by the end, the other plane has indeed passed over the bridge, meaning it has moved. Others note that this illusion... Um, that the plane is stationary at least is the product of both uh, both planes moving at close to or or the exact same speed together. And then others also say that it's the parallax effect, which happens when objects move at different and opposite speeds. And I'm not saying this is a glitch in the matrix, but I found those two explanations to be conflicting and confusing because I don't get how it can be the both the product of two objects moving at the same speed but also the product of two objects moving at different speeds in opposite directions or some, I, I found the explanation to be confusing, even though I don't doubt that there is a legitimate physics explanation for this. So if people want to explain it to me, like I'm five, cause that's the understanding I have here. I would appreciate that. Any other thoughts on the uh, matrix glitch airplane? No, I didn't find that footage that shocking. I was like, there's something that is going on here that I don't understand because I'm a woman. And then I didn't investigate further because I don't care. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, hey, uh, well, we, um, you know, pay attention girl, to more girl math. Let's talk about inflation. <laughs> yeah, because our, our country is um, still having some problems we ought to pay attention to in light of uh, world events that are capturing our interest. But um, I remember doing the show. I don't know probably up to a year and a half ago and Jerome Powell and what's her face. The, the treasury said Janet Yellen inflation will be transitory. Remember when she said that that's a terrible impression of her, but that's all they said. Transitory or what was the transient? It was going, it was going to be temporary and go away. And here we are a year and a half later. Inflation is still unexpectedly hot. I can't believe it. Did you see that Kruger tweet? Was it, what is his name? Paul Kruger? Oh, I thought you were going to say Josh. Did Josh Kruger also tweet inflation will be fine? Don't oh, worry. No. <laughs> uh, here, let me, let me look it up really quick. Uh, I don't want to. You talking about Paul uh, Krugman? Paul Krugman. That's is that his name? Thinking. Yeah. Yes. Uh, where he's like, well, inflation's taken care of because if you remove shelter, gas and food, um, <laughs> And there's no inflation. Everyone's like, why would you do that? If you why don't you count the things, things people have to buy, <laughs> it's really not oh, that Krugman. bad. The murder, the HIV murder stuff. Okay. That's Kruger. Um, yeah. Anyway, the CPI increased 0.4% and 3.7% from, from a year ago. So that was higher than is expected. And as uh, nobody's surprised, housing and gasoline were the primary drivers of the increase, uh, which means that wages fall in real terms. That means that your purchasing power is reduced. So hourly earnings dropped 0.2% on the month, um, which is the difference between the inflation rate and the gain in nominal earnings. Um, 
So what they're saying is how they're spinning this on a yearly basis. Earnings are up 0.5%, but that's bullshit because it's, we're not, we're not seeing uniform inflation across different categories and some things are necessary to purchase and other things are not. So this tweet really summed it up. Okay. While CPI inflation is at 3.7%, inflation is much higher in many basic necessities. One, car insurance inflation, which is uh, 19%. Car repair inflation, 10%. Transportation inflation, 9%. Rent inflation, 7.4%. This is the shit that people care about. Homeowner inflation, 7%. Food away from home, 6%. Meat and poultry, almost 5%. Um, so, so while headline inflation is down from its highs, many basic necessities are still seeing over 5% inflation. It is also worth noting that we do not have deflation. We have disinflation. While the rate of inflation is down, prices are still rising. So everything's getting um, increasingly less affordable. That is the deception of when they say inflation is down. It doesn't mean things are becoming more affordable. They're becoming less affordable at a slower rate. So congratulations. Yes. It's like being morbidly obese, but not gaining any weight. It's yeah, like, but or, you need to lose 300 pounds. You're, so you're I, still gaining weight. It's just like a, you know, a pound or two when you're 400. Yeah. 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 Or you're like disproportionately gaining weight. You got a huge abdomen, but your legs skinny as fuck. Uh, yeah. If you're going to be fat, be proportionally fat. Otherwise, it's just weird. <laughs> Our I country think everybody is, can tell that they're poor, right? I, well, it, it, I don't know. I mean, it, it, I, I do understand the true believers of um, progressive policy of all sorts, including economic policy, have a an amazing ability to deny what is right in front of their own faces. Uh, the, the things that they can see, they'll deny through belief in this ideology. When it comes to your own wallet, though, it does seem impossible for any person to deny that experience i think they just explained it away through other things like oh that damn putin got me again with his war in ukraine that increased you know my grocery bill or something i I don't think they my guess is they don't deny the increased costs which anybody who operates on some kind of limited budget would experience it's just they attribute it to other things it couldn't possibly be the consequence so stupid you know before this COVID thing i i really had faith in the american public's ability to use what they're experiencing on a day-to-day basis to inform their worldview but it seems like everybody's too fucking stupid to do that like i went to the grocery store the other day i I bought like seven things and it was a hundred dollars i'm always a hundred dollars yeah to get it to go to the grocery store and get anything under 50 bucks you're buying hardly anything you're buying a few items in a basket and that's it i remember uh, in college a hundred dollars you could buy groceries for like two weeks yeah you could really stretch that out if you uh totally. if you wanted yeah. to so i i've noticed their um their common scapegoat for inflation usually if not putin is just corporate greed too that all of a sudden all the corporations realized hey guys you know what we could be greedy and get away with it nobody <laughs> realized this until right now but if we all do it together there's nothing stopping us and there's not one guy out there who's like oh i could provide this product at equal quality for a lower price and cash in and but i won't do it cuz i'm part of the secret conspiracy of greedy corporations i guess that's the the belief and like I'm supposed to believe that the, the federal government's not in cahoots with corporate America anyway. I don't, uh, I don't know how this, you even separate those In this those one things. instance, they're not. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. Yeah. 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 Our government, as always, is blameless. Let's talk about Israel. Well, uh, I know everybody's itching for another hour-long discussion of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. So here we go. No, I mean, 
we will uh, we'll discuss the pertinent events. But um, I but- I did want to make I know we have a correction to make, but I did want to make something of a correction. Like I feel like I didn't convey enough, or at least well enough, um, that I don't care about either groups of people. I ah, don't care about these will- people. In fairness, that should be the assumption for anybody who has listened to it you for should. for a fair yeah, amount like, of time. I had all these opinions about it, so it might have given people the perception that I give a shit what's going on in the region. I don't. I only care insofar as I'm made to care. Like people are making me have an opinion about this. Why? Why does why does anybody in America give a shit about this? If if they weren't made to care, well, it's not why my would concern. It's yeah. not my concern. It shouldn't be my concern. But uh, the powers that be do insist it upon you, not just as a matter of the news cycle, but as a matter of uh, the uses of your own dollars and resources as a matter of American foreign policy. Now, uh, on the issue that I grant that that's not really a correction. I do have a correction to issue, and it's 100 percent my fault. A a point of fact, um, as I mentioned last week, you never know what's real and what's fake in the fog of war. That doesn't excuse me getting something wrong. Well, Hamas militants did indeed use these motorized paragliders, and I know people describe them as different things, too. So I'm just using the term motorized paragliders to describe what they had with the big, you know, parachute thing, the parachute wing thing and the fan, the motorized fan on the back to propel them. They did fly those motorized paragliders over the Gaza border. The footage that I showed last week was not from last weekend. It was circulating Twitter presented as authentic. It was not. And for that, uh, we regret the mistake. Specifically me. I don't know why I say we. You are that was my mistake. News. But I, I, the, the motorized paragliders are real. The footage was, some, was from a different incident. Motorized paragliders are still very, very strange, though. Anyway, so, uh, of course, in the week since we last discussed, there's been, uh, it's been a week of bombings in Gaza. Israeli retaliation for uh, the attack last weekend. And now a ground invasion looms. Yesterday, the Israeli Defense Force said it was preparing to implement a wide range of attacks on Gaza from land, air, and sea. I don't know if they're going to use their own motorized paragliders. <laughs> I think they might have more sophisticated tech, but land, air, and sea to target Hamas militants and leadership. No specific details on that offensive, but it is expected imminently. Uh, Israel has been instructing civilians in Gaza's north to move southward, but with all the borders uh, of Gaza closed, it's unclear where people are supposed to go or how they're supposed to leave. There is ongoing discussions for how to open humanitarian corridors to escape the danger, according to Secretary of State Blinken. But as of now, I don't believe there are any. In fact, Egypt, I, I last check, Egypt was fortifying their border. Egypt was not just saying, no, thank you. Egypt was building up their wall. And there was some footage emerging, too, of at the same time, uh, Israel is trying to get people to move away from the Israel-Gaza border. It appears Hamas is trying to counter that by telling people not to leave and or forming blockades of their own to keep people in. So it is just a mess of a massive humanity that is really confused about what to do and how to handle this. Mm -hmm. Um, As it stands, at least 1,300 people were killed in Israel in Hamas's attack last weekend in Gaza The estimates are that 8,000 people have been killed and 2,200 injured in Israel's response. 29 American citizens were killed. 15 remain missing. There are an estimated 150 Israeli hostages taken to Gaza as well. Unknown their condition for a lot of them. As far as um, U.S. military involvement, 
for now, Biden has decided not to put any uh, American boots on the ground to recover American hostages, though the White House says that decision could be revisited. Three sources speaking with Politico say the White House believes the operation would just be too risky. Uh, But we are sending a second aircraft carrier to the eastern Mediterranean near Israel to deter Iran and or Hezbollah from joining the fight. I don't I've heard it Hezbollah, 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 Hezbollah. Hezbollah. I don't know. Whatever. I'm sure I am not pronouncing it with uh, Islamic integrity, but, you know, the the Lebanon uh, Islamic militant group. Uh, and and now here here you can see the direction this is going. Now whether we get involved militarily, uh, we already are involved financially, of course, and perhaps to some extent militarily as well. But whether we get involved militarily, as in with our own military personnel on the ground fighting this war or not, the future of this fight is going to be about what happens to the two million potential Gazan refugees. And Mm -hmm. the fight to bring them over to the United States is already underway. Uh, The estimation is that there are going to be something like a million of these Palestinian refugees as a result of this conflict. But that's basically the population of the whole strip. It's the place is home to two million people. So one out of every two Palestinians living in Gaza is going to become a refugee for some other country to house is the presumption here. Now, Jamal Bowman, of course, of of pulling the firearm, thinking it opens the door fame just a few weeks ago. He's urging the U.S. I'm glad to, that guy's making decisions. What about you? What could go wrong if Jamal Bowman <laughs> decides what to do with Palestinian refugees? He uh, he is urging the U.S. to accept, of course, the only population with a lower IQ than him. We have to bring in uh, as many Palestinian refugees as we can so that uh, Jamal Bowman can look like the scientist in the room. Because, of course, he is a known data expert, as we have been informed. He said, quote, 50 percent of the population in Gaza are children. The international community, as well as the United States, should be prepared to welcome refugees from Palestine while being very careful to vet and not allow members of Hamas, he said. Because it's it's just, here's the box. Are you part of Hamas? Yes or no? If if, if no, right yeah. this way. No. And that could be true. We were talking about this before live. And I, I'm, I'm sure it is totally possible that, that the population in Gaza is very, very young, comparatively speaking. I also am just a little bit suspicious because I remember those Syrian child refugees where they claimed yeah. to be like 15 and they were clearly like 40 year old men. I kind of believe this, though. Maybe. I mean, it's not inconceivable. I just know I just know when it comes to becoming a refugee, everyone's age suddenly skews toward child. It's funny how that works. Also, I wouldn't call somebody between the ages of like 14 and 18 a child. Well, there's only there are two contexts in which that applies. One is this. If you're a Palestinian refugee, the other is if you are an urban gang member (laughs) killed by another gang member in some sort of gunfight, then it's guns are the leading cause of of death among our children. Children. So. uh, House Republicans, meanwhile, have introduced a bill to ban any Palestinian refugees from entry into the country. Either way. Remember, the House still has no speaker, as we'll get to in a minute. Um. So there won't be any legislation passed on either side of that issue until a speaker is selected. Meanwhile, Congress, I guess, is going to investigate, or at least several members are talking like they will, investigate what we discussed last week, whether our weapons left over in Afghanistan were in fact used by Hamas, excuse me, to perpetrate this attack. 
that was uh, those were reports emerging last week. And I believe they were I believe the source was Hamas itself or Hamas spokesman, if I remember correctly. But members of Congress were briefed by intelligence officials on Wednesday and Marjorie Taylor Greene told John Solomon that there was information presented that uh, included information that, that suggested that is true. Uh, Congresswoman Harriet Hageman from Wyoming uh, said something to the same effect. They're not at liberty to speak about the specific intelligence they've been presented, but they are speaking publicly saying, yeah, there's information to show that maybe some of that stuff that we left over with the Taliban has uh, found its way by goat over to Hamas and uh, Mm -hmm. was used to commit the attack. So we'll see if there's any more information to come out on that front. Meanwhile, um, well, I, I, I legitimately was on edge, not necessarily for myself or my own uh, town out here in the middle of nowhere, Montana, but for the country, Jihad Friday had me a little worried because I know how porous our border is. I know how on edge things are right now. And when a former Hamas leader was saying, hey, Muslims have added on Friday, I thought, like, there's got to be at least Ooh. one guy who tries some shit in our country, right? But not really. Yeah, I, I wasn't that worried. Hmm. Well, Jihad Friday Big came bust. and went mostly with a fizzle. But although if you're in France, there was a, a little bit of a, of Jihad Friday action. But um, Khalad Mashal, who is a former Hamas leader, designated Friday the 13th this last Friday as a day of Jihad. Now, this coverage says that he was asking Muslims to take to the streets and deliver a message of anger in support of Palestinians. So that makes it sound more like a protest effort than like a stabby effort. So, yeah, I don't know. I I just know that when there's like a like a Hamas associated person calling for a protest, I uh, I don't have a lot of hope for that to be a mostly peaceful event, but. Maybe that's what he meant, I guess. I don't know. Nothing really happened, though, in the United States. There were a pair of attacks in France. In Arras, surely I'm not pronouncing that correctly, but uh, we'll go with that. This is the north of France near the Belgian border. A knife man, a knife-wielding man, stormed a middle school shouting Allahu Akbar and fatally stabbed a teacher. He also injured two others. And then when speaking about that incident, French President Emmanuel Macron said another jihadi attack has been uh, or had been foiled earlier in the day. A newspaper report stated that a man left a prayer room in the town of Limay or Lime in a French town in the northwest region of of Paris or a French neighborhood in the northwest region of Paris while carrying a kitchen knife and was arrested at a high school. Per the report, the man's exact intentions for carrying a knife from uh, the place of prayer to the school are not yet known, but the individual is already known to police for having been radicalized. So he went straight from the mosque down to do a school stabbing and was apparently thwarted. But the FBI remains vigilant. Despite no major American events for Jihad Friday, FBI Director Christopher Wray said yesterday that domestic threats have surged since the Hamas attack in Israel. I guess this must be something of a hunch on his part, though, because if you scroll down this political uh, Politico report, it says, uh, quote, at least earlier in the week, the FBI said they do not have specific and credible intelligence indicating a threat to the United States stemming from the Hamas attacks in Israel. So they haven't heard of any plans is what Christopher or is what the FBI was saying earlier in the week. But Deme- uh, but Christopher Ray says he has seen a surge in plans that leads me to conclude the obvious that the FBI has many plans 
being orchestrated right now that are set to be implemented presumably this week or sometime in the near yeah. future. That's the only way I can reconcile those two statements that the FBI is doing their usual work. And then uh, this, this, this report I found very interesting because um, I think the biggest mystery of this entire event, as we discussed last week is how this happened, how a bunch of primitive goat herders achieved such a sophisticated attack with probably the world's greatest surveillance and intelligence system failing to detect it or thwart it or pick up any clues that it was going to happen. Well, on Friday, because old tech defeats new tech or whatever that guy that called in Wednesday was talking about. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess like, I guess sometimes there are, let's put it this way to give as much credibility to that point as possible. High tech things rely on complicated systems like electronics and power and all sorts of things that can go wrong. Whereas like, you know, the old system of like a, a rock in a sling has less points for failure. Um, so it, it's not like inconceivable to me that a Hamas militant could cross the border or even a small group of them. I think the scale is what's so hard to accept that this happened on the scale that it did with something last weekend, my understanding, uh, at least on the initial reports, was that it was a few dozen Hamas militants that had crossed. Since it's become clear that it's like a thousand Hamas militants that had crossed. So this was this is like an infantry invasion at that point. It's not just some guys who yeah. happen to get past something. So this report comes out in um, in CNN uh, on Friday. Headline, U.S. intelligence warned of the potential for violence days before the Hamas attack. So clearly there was some warning that this was going to happen. First couple paragraphs here. The U.S. intelligence community produced at least two assessments based in part on intelligence provided by Israel. Okay, so both parties have knowledge then. Warning the Biden administration of an increased risk for Palestinian-Israeli conflict in the weeks ahead of Saturday's seismic attack on southern Israel, according to sources familiar with the intelligence. One update from September 28th warned, based on multiple streams of intelligence, that the terror group Hamas was poised to escalate rocket attacks across the border, which of course happened on October 5th. Or an October 5th wire from the CIA warned generally of the increasing possibility of violence by Hamas. So to give as much credibility and fairness to this as possible, these are these are general warnings of things that could be coming. Not like, hey, we know they got the motorized paragliders and they got the bulldozer to knock over the wall and they got X, Y and Z plans. But just general warnings that some stuff looks like it's coming. Then on October 6th, the day before the attack, U.S. officials circulated reporting from Israel indicating unusual activity by Hamas. Indications that are now clear. The attack was imminent. It's unclear if any of these U.S. assessments were shared with Israel, which provides much of the intelligence that the U.S. bases its report on. I'm not clear what they mean by that, because in the first paragraph, they say they made these reports based in part on intelligence provided by Israel. This third paragraph, unclear if they shared the information with Israel, but I guess the way to read that is some of the information they collected was from Israel. Some of the information they collected was from U.S. intelligence sources. They combined them into reports and maybe the information they had from their own sources was not shared um, Mm -hmm. with Israel. But this would counter what we were told last weekend. This is not this is well, I suppose they're not strictly mutually exclusive. But the idea last weekend was it was all just complacency, that it was just too too relaxed of an attitude. 
um, this this would be at least a slight shift in narrative to oh, away from there were no signs, we had no signs, to actually there were signs, we ignored them. Maybe you fit that in with the complacency narrative. But that if that is the explanation, there were signs, we saw them, and we didn't take them seriously. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I mean, I fail to see how that is a counter to some of the tinfoilier points here about That's exactly what everybody was saying uh and, and the trajectory any any time news develops in this way trajectory is very important like w- which way is the information trending is it trending toward the idea that this was some surprise with, that nobody saw coming or is it trending toward the idea that actually there were several pieces of this that were known beforehand I'm not I'm not trying to insist to people that this is all obviously a plot that was conducted with intent to achieve uh, objective A, B and C. I'm just staying true to what the reports are saying here, that now it has shifted to there was knowledge ahead of time. And for whatever reason, that knowledge was not implemented productively. (sighs) So that's all I got. I'll spare you the full hour this week. But uh, anything else you want to say on that before we talk about the speaker battle? Mm. No, I mean, I, I, most of my thoughts are reserved for people having uh, moronic opinions about this. I'm, I'm sort of flabbergasted at the people that I thought were really smart and withstood the social pressures of COVID, totally unable to do that with the situation and then falling for the same kind of mind control that led us to COVID and Ukraine. And any number of international conflicts that none of us should, in a reasonable world, give a shit about. Yeah, uh, I. it has been a really tough week on Twitter, uh, not just because of the bombardment with this news, which, uh, you know, it is a major news event. I'm not mad at anyone who is is very invested in it attention-wise. But I, what, what I, disappointed me was I'm watching the battle among people I respect. And there are people I respect who are more... Critic, obviously, there's nobody who's like, yeah, the Hamas attack was awesome. You know, that's that's sort of a uh, (laughs) no one, (laughs) the Hamas militants. And, you know, I don't know, maybe uh, try your own conclusions. But that's not really a common a common perspective. There are people who are who are very critical of Israel's response. There are people who are uh, very pro Israel and say Israel can do no wrong whatsoever. And I'm watching them battle this out. And it's not even that you have to have a certain opinion, but what I'm watching in many cases is, uh, just kind of a fallback to that unfortunate argument where it's, you either think a, B and C, or you're a bad person. You are a moral failure. If you don't accept a, B and C exactly as I present them. And, um, it, it, that, that sucks. It's, it's, really unfortunate to watch. I think it's, it's just bad faith arguments all around. And it's, it's just kind of moral judgment of people for their viewpoints on what is a complicated conflict. I don't care. I'm also sick of being lectured by lectured from people that if you acknowledge any nuance or complication, any consideration other than what you, you must accept, you're a bad guy. You're an evil person who is terrible. You're, you're basically in Hamas, you know? Um, Yeah. It's frustrating. So that's why I say I have a, a lot of frustration with it. It's not because it's an unimportant story or because you're you're wrong or stupid. If you have strong opinions about it, it's just like. If they're not exactly the same on 
if these stories are different from, you know, Ukraine and COVID and all the other mega stories, current things, they're not exactly the same in moral terms. And I'm not even saying they are. They they are very similar in that frenzied element. And what I mean by that frenzied element is you think this about this story or you're bad. That is yeah. the common theme. Like you, you have questions about COVID. You kill grandma. You have questions about uh, Russia and Ukraine. You're pro Putin. Obviously, you're an enemy of America. You yeah, have, but this is a career killer, right? Well, this I, is I mean, I'm, this carries I'm seeing, a different weight to it. I'm seeing tons of people asking questions about what's going on. And as far as I'm aware, they're not fired. They're not necessarily in trouble. I just and so it's not it's I wouldn't say it's career killer. It's just you're getting a lot of people jumping down your throat, insisting that you're evil and you're a bad person because you don't. You, it's not even that you don't accept A, B or C. It's that you have questions about A, B or C. And anybody who's asking questions in good faith, you shouldn't be demonizing such a person. You shouldn't be dismissing such a person. In fact, you should be eager for the opportunity to explain to them exactly why everything is so clear cut as you say it is. And for me to be as, as clear as possible, I'm not saying there's ambiguity in things like, is it wrong to kill civilians or capture civilians or kidnap civilians? Obviously, those things are wrong. I'm saying the the complexities in how you respond to that militarily against an against an opposition in Hamas that really isn't a state actor per se. You're going to have to I don't dispute the idea that you're going to have to go in and get these guys who committed this attack on your country. How you do that in a way that minimizes civilian casualties or damage up against an opponent that seems to use those civilians for opportunistic reasons that's hard. That's tough to do. It's not that's not an anti-Israel thing. That's just an acknowledgement that there are that are there are innocent people intentionally caught in those crosshairs. And you have to think carefully about how to handle that. But that's it's the nature of war, though. And, and and what I'm seeing is people discussing the intricacies of the conflict when really people should be looking at why we have this Zog centric media that's telling us what to believe about the conflict. Nobody's talking about that. Except for people that are banned, like banned, totally banned. Is it is it possible that all media are telling us 100% truth in a story like this? Yeah, I, it's possible. It would be the first time in a long time, though. If, uh, if I was that, watching CBS on this today, and I'm like, I'm getting the, the same talking points from the right wing, like exactly the same. So I don't know. Um, you know, at the, I just said I wasn't going to do an hour long segment on this, so I'll I'll move on. Um, it's only been forty minutes. I know, I know. Uh, anyway, moving on to the House Speaker fight because we still don't have a House Speaker, and there's no clear path to get one, which is pretty important for our country. Early in the week, Steve Scalise won the vote of the Republican conference to be nominated for speaker, beating out Jim Jordan, 113 to 99 votes. By Thursday, Scalise had already dropped out after finding no path to a majority uh, of the House overall to gain the gavel. Because, of course, all Democrats are going to oppose him. And Scalise, like any speaker nominee, can only afford to lose. uh, I forget if the number is four or five, but just a handful of Republicans. Um. And several opposed him. So Scalise quit and Jim Jordan is now up. And so the Republican conference voted uh, to nominate Jim Jordan next. So now he's your nominee currently. Uh, Former Speaker Kevin McCarthy has now thrown his support behind Jordan. So if you were eager to see who 
ousted Speaker Kevin McCarthy would endorse. He's he's on board for Jordan. What a big boost for Jordan. Uh, Jordan also has Trump's endorsement, which Scalise did not. Uh, likewise, though, uh, Jordan has no clear path to the 218 votes that he needs. On Friday, Jim Jordan called for a Republican vote on whether members would support him in a full House vote. The vote was conducted by secret ballot, and Jordan got 155 yes votes to 55 no's, which suggests he is nowhere close. Even worse position than Scalise, actually. So for now, we are no closer mm-hmm. to a new speaker than we were just last week at this time. In fact, we, mar- we may be farther away. So Congress is paralyzed in the meantime, unable to pass any bills, to which I say good. Uh, no Congress, I think, is better than status quo Congress. So I'm not even sad about that a little bit. Do you mourn the loss of a functional House of Representatives? Is that a rhetorical question? Just wait till uh, November 17th when we get a government shutdown. Then you'll see. You'll all see. <laughs> how, how useful they are. How painful things will become. Um, well, before we get to the top of the hour, I, I am eager to talk about Joe Biden pandering to the gays over the weekend. He spent Saturday night at the annual Human Rights Campaign Dinner in D.C. where he was the event's keynote speaker. Now, of course, the LMNOP agenda has to invent oppressions to justify their own existence. And the HRC, the Human Rights Campaign, the organization behind this dinner at which he's speaking, that is a massive business. Now, they're a nonprofit advocacy organization, but I mean, this is a big time organization with lots of employees, lots of people dependent on that being a viable business entity. And so equality can never really be achieved at least from their perspective, if it does, they're out of business. Hence the reason why you see so many more bizarre oppressions being invented all the time or weird stories recurring from Joe Biden about how he witnesses these oppressions frequently. So Joe Biden shows up and he helps them out with his famous gay rights lies to convince everybody that the oppression that justifies things like the human rights campaign still exists, obviously. So, Remember, the, the, there's the Joe Biden classic of, as I mentioned at the top of the show, way back when I was a kid, my dad drove me down to Wilmington in Delaware because, of course, he was trying to get a job as a lifeguard so he could get corn pop under control at the pool in the projects. And, and Joe says, I saw two gay guys just making out on the sidewalk. And my dad said, hey, Joey, that's not confusing. It's simple. Those homos over there love each other. It's, it's a really easy <laughs> concept. And then there's the other Joe Biden line. The hate is still so bad. The anti-gay hate is still so bad that gays are getting married in the morning and then just getting thrown out of restaurants in the afternoon. I've told the story before, but telling it again. I was I was raised by a man who was a really decent, honorable man. I remember he was dropping me off. I wanted to be uh, I, I, I wanted to work in the projects as a lifeguard on the east side of Wilmington. And he was dropping me off on his way to work at the city hall to go get an application to be a lifeguard there. And as I got out of the car at the four, four corners in the, the center of town, two men, turns out one going to the Brandywine, one was at work for the, the, uh, the DuPont company, the other worked for Hercules company. This was back when I was a kid. And they leaned up and kissed one another. And I'd never seen that before. And I turned and looked at my dad, and he just looked at me and said, Joey, it's simple. 
It's simple, Joey. They love one another. It's a simple proposition. You've heard me say it before, and I apologize for having to repeat it. When a person can be married in the morning and thrown out of a restaurant for being gay in the afternoon, something is still fundamentally wrong in this country. And that still exists. No, it happens all the simple, time. Simple, Joey. Yeah, really. They're bug chasers. They do this thing where they put their wieners in each other's butts and then deliberately give each other HIV as a sexual fetish. It's simple, Joey. <laughs> uh, now, um, as far as getting thrown out of a restaurant, that's not even legal in most states. Most states have either explicit statutes on sexual orientation, non-discrimination, or the courts have interpreted their laws that way. But Where even is with- it legal? Well, in your state of Idaho, there's no explicit prohibition for discrimination based on sexual orientation or gender identity. And in my state of Montana and Wyoming. So we got our own little fortification here. It's awesome. (laughs) It's your right as an American to fire a homo. So get at it or kick them out of your restaurant, whatever you want to do. Okay. So, but but let's even without the legal landscape, I'm unaware of this happening in, in, any recent example, you know, if that if that happened, hey, faggot, get out of my restaurant right now. That would be national news. That would be broadcast all over everything. In fact, the truth is much closer to the opposite. You know, they brought the uh, the gay cake baker guy. They're suing him again. They're still oh. or not the gay, the, the Christian baker in Colorado who refuses to bake gay wedding cakes. They're going after How are him they doing that again, again, because they won't. It's just about harassment. It's about harassing this guy into compliance. The truth is much closer to that, that the gay lobby. Wasn't it dismissed with prejudice? He's had several iterations of this because there was the gay couple that took him all the way to the Supreme Court. And Anthony Kennedy delivered that mealy mouthed opinion that really didn't do anything about it. Yeah, Yeah. Then he had some tranny go after him for his refusal to bake a cake that was pink on the inside and blue on the outside or the reverse. I can't remember. Now they're going after him for some other related reason. But the truth, and and I'm not saying, again, obviously this is not all gay people are going after Christians in this way. I'm just saying if there is any unfair targeting and harassment, it's actually in that direction, I think, more commonly. It's the gay agenda trying to bludgeon people of conservative values into compliance with their lifestyle. Uh but, but the the Biden classic of uh, I saw those guys making out and my dad explained it to me. I won't spend too much time on this, but just in case people are unaware, because he repeats this frequently, including as recently as March on The Daily Show, which is why even The Washington Post said, here are some good reasons to doubt Biden's story about witnessing a gay kiss with his dad. Well, fair to remember, this allegedly happened in 1961. Gay gay men were largely in the closet at the time, just culturally. It was viewed as sexually deviant, so people didn't really accept that sort of thing. So gay men kissing in public wasn't really a thing. But specifically in, in Wilmington and in Delaware in 1961, Wilmington police, uh, there's a news report about Wilmington police efforts to keep known homosexuals who had been drawn from outside the city from gathering here. Police had arrested 35 men on charges of lewdness in a six-week period. So gays kissing on the street were actually arrested back then. Don't get too excited about the possibilities. What year? 1961. You, you, you missed your window by like just a generation. Wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Uh, Kessler also notes that Biden's story has changed over time on this. Uh, in other tellings of the story, uh, he, he says he was actually driving 
and his dad was in the car and they saw the kiss while they were stopped at a red light. That's another iteration of the story. Also notable, though, if Biden learned this simple lesson from his father in 1961, why was Biden himself opposed to gay marriage all the way up through his vice presidential run in 2008? Why didn't he remember his dad's simple lesson? Joey, it's simple when he said marriage is between a man and a woman in 2008 and and a few years after that. Uh, And it's it's also funny whenever he makes these claims, like, I'm sorry to, to tell it again. Like, okay, that tells me that, you know, you've told this story many times. You also know it's bullshit. Yeah, this and isn't pe- some old man thing. Yeah. And the people are, are his people are still writing it into his comments. Just keep telling the lie. Just keep pushing the lie. People will accept it. Anyway, I, I shouldn't waste too much time on that point because it's it's not new. Uh, what is new is a is a Biden gun control classic. His silliest claim wasn't strictly about the gays. It was about gun control. It is about the gays in a tangential way. He said the gays are under constant attack, and that's why we have to ban assault weapons again, which he proudly did with Diane Feinstein. Because he says, after all, who the hell needs a hundred rounds in the chamber? Pass again the assault weapons ban, which Diane and I passed. No excuse. Who in God's name needs a weapon with a hundred rounds in a chamber? <laughs> the weapon's only meant for one thing, to kill people. You could say that about any weapon. <laughs> yeah, like uh, knives are only meant for one thing, to cut stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's that's the, guns are only meant to kill people. Well, some people do need killing in a justified way. Hence why police have these things. <laughs> why military have these things. And what's hilarious too, he just got done earlier in the speech condemning the attack, the attack in Israel and saying how terrible it was that Hamas militants had gone in and just slaughtered people and kidnapped people. You know, who could have used a hundred rounds in the chamber? All those people at the music festival uh, on the Gaza border there probably could have used a hundred rounds in the chamber when the jihadis flew in with their paragliders or whatever. It's just incoherent in 2017 or whatever. Yeah. yeah sorry. You know, again, I've, I've already acknowledged my fault in that presentation, but the, the, there were real ones, just not the ones I showed. Um, but it's just <laughs> incoherent. It's incoherent to say gays are under existential lethal threat all the time, but also I'm going to start taking away the guns. I mean, it, one necessitates defending yourself. So which, which one are we going to pick here? Everyone's trying to kill the gays. Or we should disarm the gays. Got to mm. You got to pick one. Again, if you're a, um, a gunsmith or a firearms technology expert, if you are familiar with a model that can hold 100 rounds in the chamber, I, I want to see what this is. Just for non-gun people to understand. I know sometimes gun terms just get thrown around. You might not understand what he's talking about. Okay. He means 100 rounds in a magazine. Okay. An external uh, a case for ammunition that feeds the ammunition into the chamber of the gun to fire those one at a time to have a hundred rounds in the chamber would refer to a hundred rounds in the cavity of the gun that is at the uh, butt end of the barrel there. In other words, where ammunition goes mm-hmm. before it is fired and then the case is ejected. So hundred rounds in the chamber would be like a box of a hundred rounds right at the base of a barrel, ready to be yeah. fired off all at once. And I suppose a hundred, like you, you could theoretically create a hundred projectiles in one discharge. If you had like a, if you had like a cannon full of, of small little babies, you know, 
like a really big shotgun. But you, don't they have guns where you can just like feed like an, an inordinate number of rounds? If you got like a, gun, a they just hang there, right? Oh, if you have uh, like a belt fed gun, but those are still not 100 rounds in the chamber. Oh, the only way you could do it is if you got like a big blunderbuss oh, yeah, and you're just yeah. packing it full of like 100 nails or something like that. Then I guess you could have. Does that count as the chamber? Awesome. I don't know. But 100 projectiles in one shot is really what we're talking about here. But uh, anyway, that's uh, that's Joe Biden on safety for the gays. He wants to disarm you and make you pray because all those people are hunting you all the time. He wants to make sure that you are completely at their mercy because you know who is bringing 100 rounds in the chamber? Hamas or uh, any the evil right wingers, evil MAGA extremists who are hunting gays in this country. They're also bringing 100 rounds in the chamber. So if you want to match their firepower, you better do the same yourself. Anyway, that's the top of the hour, which, uh, which means it's time for a break. We'll get into uh, the new charges for Bob Menendez and your Josh Kruger update after that. But let's see what people are saying over uh, in the chat. I'll start here with uh, with Rumble. Tom Paulin says, uh, hey, guys, can you shut up my sister, Kim? She's not a show watcher, but uh, but she just lost her fiance this Wednesday. Very suddenly, 35 years old heart attack that turned into a torn aorta. Please pray. Well, I'm very sorry to hear about that for your family, man. That's uh, sounds vaxy. It's a bummer, dude. Yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to speculate, of course, but uh, but anytime. Well, that- yeah, I should stop speculating because I'm sitting here with DVT man and then placenta blood yes. clot girl and neither of us got the vaccine anything is yeah anything's going Deep on vein thrombosis, DVT. of course any death at such a young age is sad but man whenever Terrible. it's whenever it's yeah. young people who are on the on the cusp of a major life transition like that uh marriage having a child uh extra tragic and so i'm very sorry for your family of course uh thanks for supporting the show we appreciate it very much we love you you're very special Yakko 1977, my dad got a flu shot and asked about the COVID shot in spite of my warnings. And his doc told them they don't have any COVID jabs. Odd enough, I suspect the two shots are being mixed. No jabs for me. Now, this is one thing that I worried about myself. I Normally, I don't like to talk about my own medical decisions this much. But since I've already talked about DVT a little bit, uh, I, I might as well. Um, I, I'm not just... Not only have I not taken a COVID shot, I didn't take, uh, I haven't taken any shot for like the last couple of years, but I did take a Tdap before my son was born. And at the time, so this is like summer 2021, like August, 2021, a month before he was born. I was sitting there with the nurse, like, okay, I've made the decision that I think it's smart for me to get this vaccine because of whooping cough and all that, you know? And I'm thinking you better check that that syringe like five times because i swear to god if that's the covid vaccine is it possible that i got mixed in this way and it didn't strike until like two years later dude this is the concern with childhood vaccines i don't know if you guys are talking about this but i I have this conversation with my husband seven times a day i don't know what to do because my main argument for the no vaccines thing is like well what if they just give the the baby the covid vaccine yeah well yeah i (laughs) unless you like unless you're hawk-eyed about it and watch looking at the labels of the person doing the prep. But even then it's like, you're still at the mercy of a person. Now, of course 
if you could show that they injected you with something that you did not consent to, that's a major scandal. It's probably a legal violation too. So the idea that they give a fuck, I don't know. It'd be such a risk for them to take on intentionally, but I got to admit, I do worry. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's been every other coercive effort to get people to take these things. Is it that hard to believe that there would be something like that? It's not. No, it's not that hard to believe anymore. Is my feed coming in a little delayed? I'm getting some robot mat. It's driving me crazy. Oh, no. Uh, Everything looks good to me. So as long as you can tolerate I'm going to go ahead and rejoin Zoom. Is that going to mess anything up? No, I'll read a couple more chats. Okay, thank you. Let's see. Uh, The M-Dub says, since the most missing children are found within their own community, I think uh, California's new Ebony Alert should just simply be called the Inward Locator. Yeah, I don't know much about that other than it's some kind of special Amber Alert for missing black children, which sounds perfectly on brand for California, but... Yeah, you're probably right. I wonder where they are missing. Robin D. Banks says, Blonde and I once made hate. We were reciting a poem by Thomas Sowell to show we were down with the Afro-American experience, but he went sideways. We're sorry. We didn't mean it. Here's the poem. Okay. Oh, ceiling bird. Oh, ceiling bird. Wise foe you be chirping. I eat that BBQ and drank that grape drank. And now I be burping. Matt, where did this go wrong? We were trying to be nice. Okay. Well, uh, I don't even, I, I, I should have had a sounder prepped for that one. I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> that one is its own sounder. That was just a great poem. Now uh, the ceiling bird, of course, refers to the, uh, the smoke detector low on battery that, uh, continues to chirp away. Hillbilly deluxe. Thank you, Robin. Hillbilly deluxe says, is this what hebophile means? I was way off. Sorry to the Jews. Uh, it turns out. Yes, it is not a, uh, it's not a Jewish-related slur. Shapugalu. Oh, Shan- uh, this is a name. What should I call this uh, This coming tropical shampoo and conditioner? Even Because boogaloo is kind of a, an old term at this point that has sort of lost its edge or intrigue. Shapugaloo? Shampoogaloo? You might be honest. That's kind of creative. Maybe we can work with that. Thank you, sir. Oh. Uh, We care about what happens in Israel because the Bible warns us through them the end times will start. I suppose that's true. There are a lot of um, scriptural prophecies about that sort of thing, as far as I understand, and I'm no expert in that. Uh, So I suppose maybe we don't want those things to come true. We'll see how that goes. Thank you for the insight. Uh, Your friendly neighborhood fed. Not going to lie, Matt. I expect you to show a a pic of Fetterman in front of the Capitol when you brought up Bigfoot. (laughs) Uh, P.S. Blonde. Thoughts on the St. Louis pizza and toasted uh, thoughts on St. Louis pizza and toasted ravioli. I should get, you know what I forgot to do? Take myself off the, off the zoom. Sorry. That's confusing. Um, I looked like, sorry. I looked like I was talking to myself for like the last five minutes. Didn't it? That's interesting. What is blonde saying? It says you have to let me in. Oh, let me fix that. Sorry. Technical mismanagement, technical mismanagement throughout. I forgot that I had to hit oh, the button sorry. to let you in. I thought you could auto join. And then right. uh, and then I forgot to s- change up the visual display. So it looked like I was talking to a mirror image of myself for like five minutes. But, you it know, it looks a lot better now. Thank you. Uh, all right. Cool. Uh, we had a question here uh, about what are your thoughts on St. Louis pizza and toasted ravioli? Oh, I love toasted ravioli and I like a thin crust pizza. I think deep dish pizza is lasagna. We've talked about this before on the show. I, I loved emos like 
pizza like it's on a friggin' cracker. Top notch. What is St. Louis pizza? What, I know. What, is, what is the style? Just super thin crust. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, not my like thing. Like you but... could roll the entire pizza up and just eat it like a, you know, yeah, real thin. Yeah, not my taste, but. You anyway. suck, fuck you. And toasted ravioli <laughs> is deep fried ravioli, which I know is an abomination to Italians, but it is real delicious. That sounds good. I bet I could get into that. Uh, also, Ohio voters, please vote no on issue one. I don't know what that is, but uh, of course, thank you to our friendly neighborhood, Fed. Fed, 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 Fed. Cave Toad, um, thanks for thanks for some big support here, man. Really appreciate it. Blonde, do you have a flat butt, or does it grow with your nose theoretically when you uh, are a bearing mother? Oh, my ass is giant, and like not in a good way. the The wonderful thing about pregnancy, the beauty of pregnancy is that you see your body going to shit in real time and there's nothing you can do about it. Did I tell you what my nephew said about my butt? No, I did not hear. So I was talking about like the baby and the baby's making my belly grow. And then he leans back. He looks at my butt and he goes, is there a baby in your butt too? Wow. Look at that big ass. Look at that big juicy booty. Total pie ass. It's not good. It's, uh, also it's says square. It's square, so flat yeah. surface. Okay. Well, because like you grow so much in front that like your love handles that you don't go like this anymore. Oh, and I so see. So you just the, have like yeah. big block ass, like square <laughs> ass. It's so bad. I've never felt worse about my body or my level of sexiness in my life. I feel disgusting. That is the sacrifice <sighs> that uh, mothers make, but uh, it is worthwhile. Uh. Is it though? This kid better be awesome. Nope. She's going to be a little bitch and you're going to love her <laughs> regardless. Uh, Cave toad. And I don't say that exclusive to you. My son is going to be a, a total asshole and I'm still going to love him regardless. That's how it is. You yeah. Know? Uh, cave toad. Uh, this is a cave toad. Second one. Sorry. Uh, I had six vaxes growing up and now it's what? 72 by six years old. I'm sorry, but that's fucking wrong. I take the chances for my children. Um, he has, mean things to say about certain demographics and communists. So, uh, <laughs> thank you like for, uh, for your support for the show. Uh, where's my Bernie? God, I'm all, I'm all discombobulated here. There's my Bernie. Sorry. I, I have no idea how to produce my own show tonight. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I am not going to be niggardly. All right. Uh, should I do a few? Yeah, let's get, let's get some on YouTube and tippy. We're good on Odyssey. We're good on DLive. Oh, uh, Mr. Nargis, thank you over on DLive. Appreciate that. Go for well, it. Ray. Yeah. Hi, Truth Seekers. Do you think Celeb... Ah, damn. I'm, we're having connection problems. This sucks. It's totally well, fine on my end. So as, as long as you can hear me end. acceptably, we're good to go. It's really bad. Um, Holden Mulray. Hi, Truth Seekers. Do you think celebrities lean so far to the left because A, natural selection process from artistic temperament, B, explicit bias from Hollywood and casting and promotion, or C, something else? Um, how do I get out of this? <laughs> I'm just making, uh, people in the, I, I want to make sure before we address that, um, at least I don't think there's any malfunction on my mic. So if people in the chat who are listening live could just confirm that there's, and please not don't troll. We're trying to do some live technical assessment here. Does my voice sound like it's skipping or there's any problem with my microphone, anything like that? Let us know if did there your, is. Did your woman uh, message you? I could just 
No, I saw the text from you. So I could just ask her. Oh. Like, that would probably be the better way because then I don't open myself because up Because they're, they're just going to fuck with you on like, the oh, live it's chat. totally fucked up. Restart the whole thing. Yeah, quit your show. Um, okay, I think it's something else. I think it's... Net, like, you saw what happened with this Harvey Weinstein thing. So, uh, Mina Suvari, is that the... Mira Sorvino? Mira Sorvino famously would not bang Harvey Weinstein. And she was cast in Lord of the Rings. And then Harvey Weinstein called up Peter Jackson and was like, she's too difficult to work with. And then she never worked again. Hmm. So I think that there's like this, this hierarchy of nepotism. And if you don't fall into it or fuck guys like Harvey Weinstein, that you just can't get a job. I, and I don't really know how much that has to like, do I think these people really have opinions? No, no. Yeah. I, I, I think there, it probably is. A lot of that, like people in positions of authority interested in enforcing their perspective. And that's just how it plays mm -hmm. out as a business matter. As far as yeah. why they have that perspective, I think maybe a lot of it has something to do with the same reason that a lot of people in academic fields or just like, you know, professors, teachers tend to have that. A lot of times, like I know that that Hollywood isn't propped up by the government in the same way that academics are. But they kind of exist in a, in a sort of similarly unaccountable way. That is to say, there's so much money in Hollywood that they just throw money around with ease. And even though they're becoming somewhat more market accountable today with a lot of bad decisions, leading them to have serious losses mm -hmm. on a lot of productions, mm -hmm. there's still so much money floating around that you can so still sort of live insulated or isolated from the consequences of your ridiculous worldview. So that would be my guess. Like there's some insulation from market reality plus maybe an authoritarian tendency by people just to make sure that their way of viewing the world is enforced. Yes. Yes. I bought PN. No, no. Thank you, sir. General grievance. While I can't appreciate the schadenfreude of laughing at idiots whose own policy prescriptions get them removed from the gene pool. I think the better take is to realize that millions of people in this country are completely incapable of self-governance. They need to be governed by force of will. Who? Oh, jeez. General grievance. Or they will end up deleting themselves and us. They're basically young children. And there's nothing moral or compassionate about letting a child who wants to swim in a pool than laughing when they drown. They need to be ruled because they can't rule themselves. Oh, this is so Machiavellian. Um, the right needs to rediscover a will to rule. God damn it. Yeah, I, I, uh -huh. I will grant the premise, but sort of disagree with the prescription. Um, will I grant the premise that there are people who are incapable of self-governance? I mean, for me to do that would be to not look around in any way whatsoever. However, I'm going to dispute the analogy here that, that our relationship to those people is akin to, or the same thing as parent to child. I don't know that that's true morally. That is to say, even if these Theoretical people that you're talking about are um, are not capable of the sort of self-governance that would lead to a prosperous society that well, it is. OK, it's God. But if right. they're going to disavow the rule of God and be hedonistic secularists, then it's the job of intelligent Christians to um, rule them with an iron fist. My preference would be walk away, separate. But I recognize there is a counterpoint that. Uh, even when you do that, they're still coming for you. So you gotta have, you gotta. Well, have not only that, that, they can't yeah. take care of themselves. It's like abandoning an orphanage or something. It's like you need somebody there. Yeah, to my, beat the kids. 
my response is still separate fortify. Like we're going over there. And if you show up and try to get in here, it's going to be a problem. That, that would be my solution rather than sort of this like paternalistic caretaking. Cause you're right. I think that that it's, that is not the moral relationship between man and man as in adult grown adults. That's the relationship between man and God. Um, I, I would grant the premise that, that God's relationship with us as adults is similar to uh, similar to that of parent to child. My relationship to guy over there who has no control of himself and commits criminal activity because of that. I'm still not his yep. parent, morally speaking. Uh, and I don't know that it's right for me to seize control of his life on that basis. So Someone I'd rather. Well, uh, he needs to do that with his own community and he needs to do that with uh, with God. And it's not my job to just put him unless he commits crimes against me, I suppose. But simply because he uh, has a lack of judgment capacity that leads him to do silly things. I don't think it's my right to to lock him up on that basis alone. But I certainly grant where you're coming from, General Grievance. I don't think that's uh, I don't think it's coming from a silly place at all. By the no, way, I owe I bought right a uh, a Bernie. I am not going to be niggardly. Yeah. Um, Zach Log the Great, Willy Wonka, the Chocolate Factory is just the movie seven for little kids. Said this before, but this is tonight's movie. For more wisdom, look for Zach Log on YouTube or Odyssey. Happy birthday, Matt! Happy birthday! Well, there you go. What's Thank our actual you. birthday? The eighteenth. The eighteenth. It's Wednesday. Yeah. Okay, good. We have a show, so I won't forget. Um, all right, let's circle back on these. All right. Uh, we will come back to your chats at the end of the stream. Thank you guys very much. Appreciate it. Um, I'll have to just circle back with you. Back into the news. Uh, recall the troubles of New Jersey Democrat Senator Bob Menendez, who was charged last month in an alleged corruption scheme in which he exchanged favors to Egyptian businessmen for things like cars, gold bars, and stacks of cash. When last I discussed it with Frank, we went over this. Actually, this was the episode where you were gone in uh, Japan, but we talked mm-hmm. about this case. Um, Menendez had yet to offer his explanation for why he had something like a half a million dollars in cash sitting around his house in envelopes and how he acquired this cash through legitimate means because there was a denial. But the question remains, you're a guy with like $175,000 salary. How is it that you have half a million dollars in cash just laying around? What did you do? to earn that cash legitimately. And he had not provided an explanation. Well, the Monday after we talked about it, he did. And he said, well, I'm Cuban and my Cuban parents know what it's like (laughs) to be oppressed. And so every year for 30 years, I have just been stashing cash away with the uh, expectation or the worry that the government was going to come for me too. He used the word withdraw cash. How much money per year would this be? Yeah. So he said he did it over 30 years and he said, I made cash withdrawals. So that says to me, bank record. Uh, he, he wasn't just, he wasn't paid over those 30 years in cash, I assume, under the table. So there's got to be some bank record of how he, he came to acquire this cash. And uh, you're right. You do the math to get that kind of money over 30 years. That'd be something like $17,000 in in cash withdrawn which uh you'd think there'd be some bank records to that effect well is it doable when you're a guy with not that kind of income you know if you're a person who's earning six figures and you like to deal in cash maybe and yeah he's been earning six figures while he's in the senate but he hasn't been in the senate for 30 years so okay but does he have a family uh he has a hideous wife who he just married a couple years ago I don't know. So if you're a man, make, I, why am I running to this guy's defense? I don't know. Okay. You're making 60 grand a year, which is yeah. reasonable. 
you can live like you're really poor especially if your parents were cuban and super poor that's totally what mr gold bars did he lived like he was really poor to save his (laughs) money (laughs) okay i'm just trying to give actually i when we talked about this i was having sympathetic thoughts toward menendez on the basis of the gold bars because it wasn't just the cat the envelopes of cash it's the fact that he had uh gold bars laying around his home and some people said to me, now, I, I am I have not made it enough to have gold bars laying around. But as people know, I've been building my silver stack over the last few years. So it's, you know, uh, that is modest for me. And I and and uh, the rules of 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 prepperism state that you don't talk about prepperism. So I should probably shut the hell up at that. But the point I'm making is that um, when people were saying, like, well, who the hell just has gold? Who Who the hell has gold bars just laying around? I'm thinking like, what are you talking about? That's awesome. I wish I had gold bars just laying around. That's really cool. Uh, maybe I'll get there someday. But okay, so he has these gold bars. He has this cash. He also got a car, a Mercedes out of this. And uh, and and so he's sitting on all of these uh, fancy assets. And remember, all of this happened when Menendez was the chair of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee uh, until the charges were filed in September and he was removed of that committee chairmanship. He also chaired the committee from 2013 to 2015. In the interim, he was ranking member as in top Democrat on the committee. So he's having all these interactions, cashing in on Egyptian businessmen and representatives of the Egyptian government while he's the foreign relations committee chair. And that would appear to be a problem. Well, the updated indictment now accuses Menendez of using his office to benefit the Egyptian government without registering as a foreign agent. That adds to the existing charges of conspiracy to commit bribery, fraud, and extortion. So how did Menendez benefit these Egyptian businessmen and the Egyptian government in this scheme? Well, apparently it was through military sales and military financing, among other things. Menendez had significant influence over those matters as committee chair. Prosecutors say they have communications records demonstrating promises to take certain actions uh, or act on certain requests or receive certain directives from these Egyptian officials. In one of these messages, Menendez was told by an Egyptian official that if he helped resolve scrutiny against Egypt for a 2015 airstrike that injured an American citizen, quote, he will sit very comfortably. And lo and behold, he came to sit very comfortably. A New Jersey businessman. Oh, and by the way, that cash, that's the other factor I forgot about. It's not just that he had the cash. It's that the guy's fingerprints are on the cash. Okay. The uh, Egyptian businessman dude uh, and his his driver and all that. So I forgot that there was physical evidence to connect the cash to these people. A uh, a, a New Jersey businessman Menendez was working with um, replied to some of that communication saying orders consider it done. And this businessman communicated that information to Menendez's wife, who forwarded it to Menendez. In another incident, Egyptian officials lobbied Menendez to pressure the State Department to get involved in Egyptian negotiations with Ethiopia and Sudan about a river dam. In a statement in response, Menendez says all he did was stand up for human rights in Egypt. The government's latest charge flies in the face of my long record of standing up for human rights and democracy in Egypt and in challenging leaders of that country, including the president on these issues. I have been throughout my life loyal to only one country, the United States of America, the land my family chose to live in democracy and freedom, he says. Menendez is up for re-election next year and had previously said that he would run again, at least before this indictment happened. But now he says he hasn't made a decision about that. All right. Uh, we're running out of time, so let's just get straight to the uh, to the Josh Kruger news because all the pe- all the tinfoil is one hundred percent true about this case. It seems totally. 
This is so funny. So if you guys don't know what's going on, this homo Philly journalist activist, Josh Kruger, shot seven times by 19-year-old Robert Davis, this black guy. And Davis's family has come forward this weekend with this allegation. They claim that Kruger had been sexually grooming, although I don't like to use that term in situations like this, and abusing Davis since he was 15. So I prefer what we do the know term about this is fucking. that... <laughs> Not grooming. Oh, yeah, really. All right. Kruger seemed to have had, this is alleged, um, photos and or recordings of their butt sex. So Davis was 15 when he and Kruger, <laughs> I like how I just chastised you. And then, um, I don't, it, it, it's Kruger, one of those words. Okay. I don't care if I've heard it 50 million times. <laughs> it's always funny. Butt sex is funny. It's one word too. It's not hyphen. It's just. No, one word. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you on the butt sex. Um, so when he and Kruger <laughs> began how this, you phrase that, but yeah, all right, <laughs> go ahead. Se- several years long relationship, <laughs> which seemed to be drug based. And Davis told them that Kruger was threatening to post sexually explicit videos of him online uh, before. Um, okay. So what Davis's family said, he was, he was in the closet, but he clearly had a drug addiction. So Davis told his family that he was seeing an older white woman that he met online who worked for the government. And they saw that the name Josh would pop up on his phone. And so they were like, who's Josh? And then Davis was like, it's the woman's brother and he's gay. Whatever. Was this like, and then he was coming home. He was trading the sex acts for drugs. Is that the arrangement? Yeah. Potentially. If he's a drug addict, who's desperate. Maybe he's, maybe he's not even that gay. He just does what he has to, to get the drugs. But they also were kind of a couple. So, All right. okay. Um, so Davis was returning home with gifts like designer belts and Gucci stuff. And then he would tell the family that the woman bought uh, them for him. But they also found needles and pills and other drug paraphernalia. Um, and he got addicted to meth. Kruger was HIV positive. So he formerly was a crystal meth addict living on the streets. And while he was living on the streets, he was um, prostituting himself for crystal meth. And contracted HIV. Wait, oh, Kruger was doing that previously. That's how we got yes. HIV. Okay. Yes. He supposedly had been sober for many years, but they did find meth in his apartment after the shooting that seemed to belong to him. So I don't know if this was some sort of arrangement. Like, it's definitely possible that there was a prostitution arrangement, but it's also possible that they were both drug addicts in a relationship. Hmm. Okay. So, yeah, basically every conspiracy or uh, unsubstantiated angle on this turned out to be 100% true. Of course, as I mentioned at the top of the show, among Josh Kruger's many very poorly aged tweets, like mocking Scott Adams as Nostradamus for saying that if Joe Biden is elected, you have a high potential of dying and him laughing at that. Yeah. Uh, Well, this tweet from July 13th, 2018, the centuries old smear that gay men are pedophiles is getting new life thanks to coordination between far right news sites and far right message boards. This egregious defamation is part of a strategy to target LGBTQ people. As a reminder, uh, that would have been about the time that this uh, suspect in this murder case was roughly 15 years old and engaging in sex acts with this much older man in exchange for drugs uh, or other things. So protesting publicly while doing exactly that. Now, I pedophile, you decide the definition, you decide the boundaries of that definition. But whatever he was doing, it was uh, sexual activity with a much younger person for uh, all sorts of uh, bizarre and immoral reasons. 
Do you have anything else to say about that? Uh, nope. Well, uh, I know how much you love ironic deaths. Actually, I should I should be kinder, not be uh, not not make poor 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 taste jokes like that. But uh, a Michigan Democrat named Ted Lawson was murdered while campaigning in Lansing last Sunday. According to reports, Lawson was canvassing door to door for a city council candidate when 15 year old of color Lamar Kemp approached him asking for a dollar. There is video of what happened. Apparently the shooting itself is off camera. It was captured at least in part on security cameras in the area though. So Lamar Kemp, this teenager approaches uh, this uh, known Democrat canvasser named Ted Lawson and says, Hey, give me a dollar. And uh, Lawson apparently said uh, no or something to that effect. And then he was shot dead. So according to court documents, Video capture, uh, video footage captured Kemp before the shooting, walking with two other young people. So Kemp is the the 15 year old shooter in this case, who you know has a social media presence of himself pointing guns at the camera. Uh, but Kemp, the suspect in this case, is walking with two other youths on the opposite side of the street from Lawson, who's out doing this political canvassing on behalf of a city council candidate he's trying to elect. Uh, According to the charging document, Kemp then approached Ted alone, and that's when the shooting happened. When arrested, Kemp denied ever having left his home that day. I think this happened about 3 p.m. But a 22 caliber handgun found at his home matched the casings found at the scene. Kemp is now facing three different charges, including open murder, and he is being charged as an adult. Again, he's 15 years old. Lawson, of course, was uh, this 15-year-old was out on probation at the time he's now being held without bond. There were uh, these two other youths of color. I mentioned that were with camp at the time of the killing. The prosecutor's office says it is still undecided if those others will face charges. So uh, I don't know light on crime policies, uh, policies that make it harder to defend yourself. All of those things seem relevant to this uh, political canvassing for a Democrat candidate for city council. We also have some updates in the, uh, the case of Jordan Neely and Daniel Penny. This was the subway case with the Michael Jackson impersonator and the former Marine who put him in the, uh, the submission hold or the choke hold. But man, uh, do they have a single witness who is willing to say that Daniel Penny is a racist, bloodthirsty murderer? It doesn't sound like it. No. And they're like all minorities. Hmm. So uh, let's see. Let's go through some of the witnesses that we have. One witness testified to the grand jury that Neely's menacing words, which included ravings that somebody is going to die today and that he was ready to go to Rikers, were insanely threatening and delivered with a sickening and satanic bent. The witness believed he was going to die as Neely began to approach him. Um, Another witness, he described the moment as absolutely traumatizing beyond anything he had ever experienced in the six years riding the subway. Another witness, a woman with her son, I think they were both black, told the grand jury that Neely said he wanted to hurt people. He said, I wanted to go to Rikers. I want to go to prison. And um, then another mother and son, uh, they took cover behind her son's stroller, shielding themselves from Neely, who was making lunging movements and coming within half a foot of people. A different person, a retiree who's been riding the subway for more than three decades, told the grand jury she's never been more scared. I've encountered many things. But nothing that put fear into me like that, she said. Um, and then somebody else said that it looked like it was a struggle. It didn't look like Daniel Penny had controlled the situation. They, they, were, they were fighting. 
back and forth. Here's the real kicker though. We're going to have a George Floyd um, situation on our hands because the medical examiner, Cynthia Harris, who inspected Neely's corpse told the grand jury that he died from compression of the neck, which she attributed to the chokehold, but she didn't show how the injuries to his neck proved that he died from asphyxiation or if the chokehold had severed the blood supply to his brain. So basically what she said was generally that there were these injuries that may have caused his death, but she couldn't give a time of death. Um, it, whether or not he died on the train car floor or in the hospital an hour later. And she just testified that asphyxiation could happen by a chokehold and that she believed he died from a chokehold. The fact that she did not testify that he did in fact die from asphyxiation um, can only be explained by a lack of evidence to support such a conclusion. Mm. So it does seem like a George Floyd situation where, um, I mean, he probably died from asphyxiation, but I'm not really sure that it mattered because he uh, said he was going to kill people. So yeah, I, I agree. As a matter of justice, it it doesn't matter because straight up shooting him in the face at that point, I, I'm at least now I know New York law might have something else to say about that. I'm talking about a moral matter. If this guy's threatening people's lives imminently, as it sounds like he was ending that threat is justified. And that's what Daniel Penny did in as humane a way as possible. He didn't shoot him in the face. He actually used the the, the lowest form of force that is is possible to use in that situation we don't know what if any drugs he had in his system neely mm-hmm. yeah we don't i'm know. that's the other george floyd comparison that's speculation on my part because as far as i'm aware i've not seen confirmation of that but i bet drugs are a factor in this case as well uh and a factor in his not just a factor in his behavior a factor in his death because if you start applying I mean, in the same way we know that that George Floyd was in the police car saying, I can't breathe hysterically before yeah. he was ever even on the ground at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This could be a case where you have uh, some kind of drug-induced hysteria that's compromising his breathing in the first place that Penny actually had nothing to do with. So one, one other thing I want to say about this story, you know, they, it's like whenever it's Michael Brown... Or who else was a recent example of this? But they got to get the best picture they can in, uh, you know, graduation cap cap and gown because we've lost another scholar, unfortunately. That's all Michael Brown was, just uh, a studious scholar gone too soon. We scroll down in this story, and I know this isn't like the New York Times or something. This is just the New York Post. But one of the featured photos, you can't show this. This is a Neely family photo of him just enjoying a uh, carton of fried chicken enthusiastically you can't show that one with hard eyes emojis and (laughs) the sunglasses smiling emoji the source is the family by the way carolyn neely i'm not sure what the relationship to jordan is but uh, a fried chicken enthusiast gone too soon i didn't say it this report did that is the (laughs) characterization all right anything else on uh, neely and penny Mm -mm. okay well, uh, one quick update here t- uh, on, on the story of uh, Manuel Esteban Paez Tehran, otherwise known as Tortuguita. Never forget Tortuguita, the non-binary man killed by police in January. I guess that's a contradiction in terms of non-binary man. I mean, he's a guy who said that he was you know, gender fluid or some nonsense. He wasn't either male or female. He was killed by police in the battle for the Georgia forest earlier this year. The city of Atlanta had been building a police training center in the woods of DeKalb County. 
and resistance protesters who called themselves forest defenders were uh, resisting uh, and and they were calling themselves uh, Stop Cop City as well. They were occupying and interfering with construction on this site. And it wasn't just interference like we're going to kind of stand here and and do rah-rah protest chants. It was violent attacks against police and property. Seven people were charged with domestic terrorism and 61 more were charged on RICO charges. Police eventually began clearing that protest encampment after several warnings. Tortuguita was shot dead by police after police say he shot at them and a police officer was hit non-fatally. That, that officer survived, but police officer was hit. A 9mm Smith & Wesson was recovered from Tortuguita's tent. Now, Tortuguita's defenders, including his family, have said all along that this was actually a case of, of uh, police-friendly fire accidentally that caused this commotion, and then Tortuguita was just caught up in it and killed wrongfully. Tortuguita's family released an autopsy report which claimed to demonstrate that, among other things, Tortuguita's hands were up, Michael Brown style, at the point of his death, even though he was shot in a tent and the DeKalb County Medical Examiner concluded there's not really a way to know what positions his hands were in at the time of the shooting. Their autopsy said they know for sure he was surrendering. The reason I bring up the autopsy is because I just want to remind everyone of the unintentional comedy that exists within this Tortuguita family autopsy report. We reviewed it at the time back in the spring. But among other findings, Tortuguita's non-binary anus was unremarkable. He was shot like 50 times, but don't worry. They didn't hit him in the ass. He had an unremarkable (laughs) anus, which I also find odd given his non-binary identity. I I have a feeling a lot of remarkable things might have gone on with that ass, but apparently not. The family medical examiner disagreed and Tortuguita was shot everywhere and when I say everywhere I mean even in his non-binary scrotum per he gets straight shot in the sack per the uh the family autopsy report a gunshot entrance wound is located within the scrotum at the base of the penis again this not man's penis he got shot in why do I bring all of this up well there will be no justice for the legend that is Tortuguita and his unremarkable anus and his bullet-pierced non-binary scrotum. This week, the DA announced there will be no criminal charges for the Georgia state troopers who shot Tortuguita, saying their actions were objectively reasonable. I've not seen information as to whether Tortuguita's family will seek additional justice through other means, like a civil lawsuit, or more forest warfare to come. But for now, no justice, no peace. For Tortuguita. You have any thoughts on that before hoax hate time? No, let's get into hoax. All right. I have several entries. (laughs) And now the nobody saw it happen, but it's totally a product of Trump's America hoax hate crime of the week. Ah, shit. It's backwards. I've heard you reference this before, so I know that you kind of know this, but I have not read about this myself to date. And and given our interest in hoax hate crimes, and let me say, I'm not saying it's a hoax that Matthew Shepard was killed. He obviously was murdered. There are guys in prison convicted for it. But the narrative that this was clearly an anti-gay hate crime is not true. Yeah, it seems very, very flimsy. And the reason that that this Genesis case, I think what is probably the genesis of the modern concept of the hate crime, um, the, the, the 
the reason that this is back in the news is because it's now the 25th anniversary of the Matthew Shepard case in Laramie, Wyoming. So the, recall the story has always been that back in 1998 in Laramie, 21-year-old gay man Matthew Shepard was beaten and tortured and left to die, strung out like a scarecrow on a roadside fence, which is true. Again, beaten, dead, on a fence. Those, those facts are, are true. But the idea was that two men did this because Shepard hit on them at a bar and they were very enraged by his gayness. And so they killed him because he was so gay. And then uh, subsequently in 2009, Obama signed the Matthew Shepard Hate Crimes Prevention Act, which expanded federal hate crimes to include those motivated by sexual orientation, gender identity or disability. As I mentioned, Thursday was now the 25th anniversary of that murder. And that version of events lives on currently Joe Biden actually made a statement about it saying that Shepard was viciously attacked in a horrific anti-gay hate crime and left to die simply for being himself. That's all it was. He was just hanging around pinching a thigh, being a little too gay, something like that. And that's why he was killed just for being himself. Um, the two men who are who are still in prison, they're in life sentences, Aaron McKinley and Russell Henderson, were convicted of the murder at the time. So that's not the dispute. The, the murder happened. But the motive for the crime seems not at all aligned with what's been presented and what it's been presented as since. So a few facts about the Matthew Shepard case that I actually was not aware of. And this is all largely based on a 2013 book that I only just became aware of by reading these stories that are talking about it this week. Uh, were you aware of the book or have you read it? I would know. Okay. Uh, not until now. Um, but when police investigated this case, they described the perpetrator's motives as robbery. And that was what was presented to the jury. And that's the basis on which these men were convicted. It's, I guess if you were to counter that this was obviously a, a hate crime, you'd say, well, it was a Wyoming jury and they're not going to be sympathetic. They already hate gays. So they're not going to be sympathetic to a, an anti-gay hate case. So they went with robbery. Okay, I mean, we could speculate that police made it up or prosecutors made it up because they thought that's what would get them con- uh, conviction. But that would defy the facts of the case as we understand them. This guy McKinley, who's one of the murderers, he was in fact in a sexual relationship with Shepard Pryor, on again, off again. They were both involved in the drug trade. And Shepard was set to receive a $10,000 shipment of meth around the time he was killed. So it makes far more sense that these two men had some kind of disagreement over money. At least that makes way more sense than a gay guy who was already gay with Matthew Shepard before got very mad at how gay he was with him while they were being gay together, that he became anti-gay and decided to punish him for the gay activity in which he himself actively participated as though that makes any sense. And the other man involved, Henderson, actually spoke to this effect in a 2018 interview from prison with the Associated Press. Uh, From that report, he insisted neither he nor Aaron McKinney, and that's the guy who, uh, I might have said McKinley earlier. Anyway, it's McKinney. The two guys who killed him, one is sexually involved with Matthew Shepard, the other is, uh, I guess, just a friend or something. But neither he nor Aaron McKinney were motivated by anti-gay hatred when they offered Shepard a ride home from a bar. Instead, he said they were out to rob him of money and possibly drugs when they drove him to the edge of town on the night of October 6th, 1998. And you might read that previously as like some kind of uh, convenient alibi or something. But as far as I understand, the facts line up here that there was a known involvement in a drug business. He was receiving a massive shipment of a, of a large quantity of meth. 
He himself, being Matthew Shepard, used meth. And that to the extent that these these parties were involved in a an existing, not just a sexual relationship, but a business relationship with the meth, it makes much more sense to assume the conflict was about the business relationship of the meth mm, rather right. than like, I hate gays even though I'm gay. Yeah. And uh, Shepard, of course, has been has been he's I didn't know this either. He's interred at the National Cathedral. And there have been he's been celebrated with masses in his honor at the National Cathedral. Um, you know, again, he's he was murdered. I'm not disputing that point. But like, is this some hero who deserves national honor if if he's dealing in a massive drug business? Of course and, not. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the, those facts, they're not new. There's just I, you know, as someone who's very interested in false narratives about hate crimes, this is one that I should have uh, kind of personally investigated sooner than I have. Um, I was aware that there were some questions about that. I was not aware how flimsy the anti-gay angle on it was. And the idea that one of the guys that killed him was gay with him. Like that doesn't, yeah. that doesn't the anti-gay angle really evaporates with that. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. Like that's very key information. When you think about evaluating a motive in this case in any honest news presentation, that seems like point a, the relationship between the killer and the victim. And the, if their relationship was, they sucked each other's D's. I'm guessing that anti-gay was not the motive. In it fact, was it was not. very pro-gay. It sounds like a very pro-gay yeah. murder. They were gay positive in that relationship. That's true. <laughs> uh, actually, there was a, there was another clip from, uh, from prison, from that interview that was previously unaired. The guy said, yeah, they didn't, they didn't include that in previous news coverage (laughs) either. Okay. I I know you had interest in, in Matthew Shepard previously. Do do you have any knowledge that I didn't present there or anything that, uh, that I may have missed? No, that pretty much sums it up. I mean, it's been, um, horribly misconstrued by the media and the general public. If you talk to people about Matthew Shepard, everybody thinks that he was killed in some for some reason in my mind and my wife have talked and I've talked about this before because both of us had a false memory that he was dragged behind a car. But I don't think that's part of the fact pattern. They just kicked his ass and left him on a fence. Yeah, like a barbed wire fence. Yeah. For did, some was, reason, did he get dragged behind a car when they were kicking his ass? I, I, I don't think that's part of the case unless. Well, now that you're saying that, it sounds familiar to me, too, but it might be because we've talked about this before. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, another case for you in, um, in Waterville, Minnesota, a man is asking prosecutors to charge high school kids for their poor taste homecoming prank of using easily erasable window markers to write bad words on his son's car windows. A homecoming prank takes a hateful turn. A homeowner says that he caught teenagers vandalizing his son's car with racist and homophobic slurs. On Monday night, surveillance video captured a group of young people outside a home in Alasian Township. Some of those teenagers throwing toilet paper and trees, typical homecoming mischief. But the vandalism to the car was anything but typical. When I went over to his car, (laughs) that's when I saw all the racial uh, slurs, homophobic language. Most of those slurs and disgusting symbols, too graphic to show on TV. But you can see Chad Aladdin's son's car is covered with them. I find it very disgusting. Um, I told the officer that night uh, I would like it investigated as a hate crime because in my mind it is. 
His son transferred out of Waterville, Alasian Morristown this year. I know it was not random. There was a reason they came and it was because I know he lives here. The superintendent says he will issue disciplinary action when possible, but Aladdin wants more than detentions and suspensions. I'm hopeful that they will charge them with um, something. I, I think there are going to be legal consequences, ideally, for these kids. Dude, whatever. Who cares? Also, is that guy just looks white to me. Is his son actually like a Jew N-word faggot? <laughs> well, that's what I was wondering is before we get to the details of like homecoming tomfoolery of toilet paper and easily erasable. I mean, window is he markers. anything at all? Is he, is he just some fucking white kid? That well, I don't know. The guy's name is Chad Aladdin. That sounds like a fake Arab name. <laughs> but Is that his porn star name? He's married to Stacy Jasmine. They're, uh, you know. <laughs> Very close. That guy um, looks like he might be 10% something. I don't know. But but here, in addition to just the homecoming high school tomfoolery prank context, the, another report here notes, well, the vandal, the vandalism, again on the card, the vandalism as in markers on the window that are designed to wash off with ease. They had racist, anti-Islamic, the, the vandalism was racist, anti-Islamic, anti-Semitic, and homophobic language. Is he all of those things? Is he black Muslim Jew gay guy? Or is this just no. teenagers being edgy by using as many controversial slurs as they possibly can? Hmm. Uh, so that, that as far as, oh, this was clearly targeted hate and I want them prosecuted. How can they target all of those things when you're maybe none of them, actually? Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure that you check any of those boxes. Uh, now, this, this is a small town in rural southern Minnesota. So uh, this other report I'm looking at says about a third of the school's entire student body was present at the site. That's something like 50 kids. So is is <laughs> that because, really hated this kid? Well, yeah, there's, really there's, them. I don't know. What, there's two ways to interpret that. The entire town hates this kid so much. Let's go write the N word all over his car. Or this is a roaming mob of high school pranksters doing this to several cars. They know maybe this kid, maybe they know another kid. They're they're rolling around town, writing funny things on car windows that wash off easily. And you may say, well, that's not funny. Those are slurs and that's bad. Yeah. All right. We might agree that the language is distasteful, but does, does this rise to criminal vandalism and targeted hate? Is that really what yeah. we're talking about? Are we talking about the sort of tomfoolery that happens every year in homecoming uh, scenarios? You know, this is the same. Like, you might you might egg a person's car as a prank or something like that. It doesn't mean that it's uh, it's you know, quote unquote right. But we're acting like this is some major threat. And there's a, there's a murder that's going to be committed imminently when it's almost it's a third of the high school kids walking yeah. around writing stupid yeah. stuff on the cars. Now, in response to these shenanigans, the school has canceled all the homecoming shenanigans. Oh, good grief. There will be no pep fest. There will be no king and queen uh, queen coronation, which is fine because that was going to go to a tranny anyway, probably. <laughs> there will be no dance. The Lesseur County DA says that the, the, the students who can be identified in the video will likely be charged with aggravated harassment. But that's the thing. Half these kids, you can see them looking at the camera, kind of taunting the camera. Are they really that idiotic that they think they're committing some heinous crime or are they they know that this is a prank and they're laughing about it while they're doing it kids lives Uh, yeah this is a disaster anyway 
Uh, yes, uh, no fun. No fun in Waterville, Minnesota. Your easily erasable backward swastikas will be brought to justice. Speaking of, a man has been brought to justice for his not easily erasable backward swastikas in Los Angeles. This might actually be real hate, technically. The suspect is just not who you uh, who is usually advertised as the suspect. In late September, there was a spree of swastika vandalism in the Ladera Heights neighborhood of Los Angeles. Apparently, that's a strong Jewish uh, Jewish neighborhood. Conejo Valley. I don't know how to say that, but the the Antifa group in the area was posting examples of this. There were backward swastikas appearing in spray paint and in carvings or, you know, like scratches on several of these cars, commonly backward swastikas, if not exclusively backward swastikas. Actually, now following the initial reports, the local Fox outlet obtained video of a black man etching a swastika into the hood of a car back in December of 2022. A witness description of the suspect in this case matched the guy in that video who is Robert Haymore, a black man now charged with nine counts of attempted hate crimes and eight counts of vandalism of $400 or more. Now, I wasn't sure why this is just an attempted hate crime as opposed to a completed hate crime. My guess is because the swastikas they could describe as no better than attempted. They were simply attempted swastikas, not correctly done. And so attempted hate crime is the charge. Lastly, uh, as far as we know, this doesn't have a hate angle. As we discussed at the time a few months back, but Carly Russell, the bizarre kidnap hoaxer in Alabama, is now convicted. And I guess she's going to jail, it sounds like. Nah, probably not. But hmm. for those of you that don't remember, uh, she called 911 and said there's a toddler running along the street. And then supposedly she got kidnapped by three people. And they took some pictures of her that are probably just floating around the Internet anyway. Uh, and then she showed up at her parents' house and then led police on this major several-day investigation. Maybe you just cracked it. Uh, maybe, yeah. Do we talk about this at the time? Because I could never figure out what her motive was, but it, are there confirmed to be nudes of her online? Is that... No, but I strongly suspect that nudes were about to get leaked of her from some ex-boyfriend or some And that's some other all situation. this was, was a plot yeah. to explain the nudes. Wow. Yeah. I mean, they might have been like Leslie Jones like gross yeah. nudes that she had to explain, you know? Yeah. Um, anyway, so this week she was determined to be guilty of false reporting to law enforcement authorities and falsely reporting an incident, both misdemeanors. Um, and she was ordered to pay $831 for each charge, 17,000 in restitution. <laughs> the state recommended that she receive a maximum of one year in jail. She's pleaded not guilty despite admitting that her story was bullshit and her lawyers are going to appeal the decision. Um, and I do not think she's going to get any jail time, but maybe she will. Oh, I misspoke. The um, the false report charge was in July. Oh, okay. Well, th- that is the most plausible explanation for her behavior that I've heard, because this whole time I've wondered, what the hell is she doing? Why? Yeah. Is this some fame stunt? But she never really got fame out of it. And as far as I'm aware, she didn't really cash in on some GoFundMe yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. So what was yeah. the motive? Was it all just an elaborate plot to explain some unflattering nudes that were about to come out? Man, if that, if that is it, uh, Hey, a for effort, Carly, uh, you know, you, you left a few holes in this plot, but that was high effort, uh, hoaxing. I gotta say. It really was. Okay. It really was. Ready for the movie review? Yeah. In a world of movie references flying over his head, 
one man will finally watch them. This is the Matt and Blonde Show movie review. This week's movie is the 1995 Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman, Kevin Spacey crime thriller seven in which two detectives chase a mysterious serial killer who murders a victim for each of the deadly sins to illustrate a point about a wicked fallen world. From movie picker, the evolutionary conservative, easily David Fincher's best film to date, a pair of detectives struggle to find a serial killer who is murdering his victims according to the seven deadly sins of the Old Testament. Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman do some of their finest work in this crime thriller. Of course, we have Jamie and Janie's AI art for the week. Uh, sorry to spoil for people who haven't seen it, but there is indeed that uh, blonde's head is in the box. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to spoil the entire two hours for you. Blonde's head <laughs> is in the box. And I am once again, asking you being the journalist of the world for a hit piece based on digital blackface, man, uh, when you mash up my face with Morgan Free- uh, Freeman, that is a, a weird effect. Yeah. <laughs> not attractive. Not attractive. That is uh, so funny. I showed my husband this today and he goes, what the fuck am I looking at? <laughs> He's like, he, could, he was like, I, what, what is happening? Right now? Yeah. No um, context, okay. bizarre photo, but uh, your thoughts. Bizarre, as always. Bizarre. So David Fincher is really hit or miss for me. Like I, I fucking hated fight club, but Zodiac is a great movie and I like the social network and I liked gone girl. Um, and this movie kind of falls in between for me. Okay. I've seen it many times and, and I liked this movie a lot more when I was younger. Um, and I rewatched it and, and now it just seemed like it was a little too on the nose. It's like this literary intelligent killer and the noir setting stuff was laid on a little bit thick, but you know, I mean, I, I shouldn't complain. It was like good performances all around, especially Kevin Spacey because he lends well to this creepy psychopath thing. And I know the entire point for the completion of the murders to be the murder of Kevin Spacey. But upon this viewing, something about it all like ending so tidily, it really bothered me. And I couldn't, re- I couldn't really figure out why it's a, it's a good film. It's fine. It's not a great film. I gave it a four, but now that I've said my review, I'm, I might downgrade that to a three. You have to make a definitive choice so we can keep our, our records accurate. I've given movies that I love fours before. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and give this a three. Let me, it's, it's a, it's a fine movie. There are moments of genuine terror in that. Like when the heroin guy comes alive. Yeah. It's me every time. Yeah. Yeah. Terrifying film. Um, but just, just a little on the nose. You have, uh, any predictions for my thoughts? Mm. I don't know. This isn't a movie that you that people have like strong opinions about that they hate or that they love. Huh. So I think you're probably somewhere down the middle with me. Mm-hmm. We're not too far off. Uh, okay. Okay. All right. So uh, I did one of the first thing I noted was actually I I did like the gore and the jump scare. Uh, I, the mm-hmm. the murder scenes themselves did not disappoint, and they're gory and they're nasty, and the, especially in a movie that is about a serial killer killing in odd ways from the start. There's no illusion about that. There's no surprise about that to maintain that intrigue and that surprise throughout is tough to do. And I, of course to do it at least five times and then have the twist of two more at the end. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta credit uh, an ability to maintain attention and a mystery when kind of the, when you see the first murder and it's based on the seven deadly sins, it's like, all right, six more to go. What do you got? 
they still uh, this one still manages to be interesting and surprising, even though you kind of know where it's going from the start, with the exception of the specifics of the ending. I really loved this um, this conversation between Morgan Freeman's character Somerset and um, and Brad Pitt's character Mills when Mills first arrives and they're figuring out their working relationship and Morgan Freeman's character Somerset is trying to explain why he wants out of this job and he's trying to explain how he hates that this is a city and a place that views apathy as a virtue. And he, he he's the quote he delivers is I just I just don't think I can continue to live in a place that embraces and nurtures apathy as if it was a virtue. I sympathize completely. Apathy is a solution. I mean, it's easier to lose yourself in drugs than it is to cope with life. It's easier to steal what you want than it is to earn it. It's easier to beat a child than it is to raise it. Hell, love costs. It takes effort and work. And it's a great quote that's also at least partially wrong. And I think that's kind yeah. of the point. Apathy is not a solution. It's just a perceived one. It's an excuse. It's not a justification. As demonstration, you got Somerset himself, who's just this single old man with an aborted baby and a demoralizing career that's providing for nobody. And so the lesson in that exchange is to take those tough paths and not take the easy indulgence of the day. And if you're struggling, if you're like, man, this is way too hard or I'm not talented enough to do this. At some level, that's good. That means that you're learning something. Uh, it means you care enough to be dissatisfied. The worst state of your... I think apathy is probably the worst state your life could be in. If you're if you're upset enough to care, it means you're going to work hard for a change. Sure. If you're in a negative spiral and you don't give a shit, that's the worst possible condition you could be in. Um, so that was just a really interesting exchange. I loved... Um, in ways, I loved the car ride conversation between the detectives and John Doe, the killer. Performance-wise, I thought it was great. Uh, plot-wise, I have some disputes, as I'll get to. But I loved this line where Brad Pitt's character, Mills, is trying to get out of the, the, the killer, John Doe. Like, I just want to know, do insane people like you know that you're insane? And he has this speech about, well, I, I get it. It's more comfortable for you to label me insane than it is to confront what I have to say. And uh, I know we're dealing with a serial killer in this case, but at some level, we all do that with our ideological opponents frequently. I don't have to examine their worldview. I just have to label them crazy and dismiss anything they say, because after all, a crazy person said it. Even if you are dealing with a serial killer like this case, we still should resist the urge to do that. Even if they are actually crazy, you want to understand people's motives. You want to understand their reasons for why they behave the way they behave, even if they're unjustified, because it's a smarter, better understanding of the way the world works rather than just writing it off as some kind of unexplainable crazy we couldn't possibly yeah. touch. So I liked that piece of wisdom. Um, I liked the the end that, that John Doe's sin is that he envies Mills. And the, the lesson there is, hey, a, a simple life with a wife and kid is indeed an enviable life for a man. You don't have to aim for all these fancy things. You don't have to be a superhero. You don't have to be the richest guy, the most powerful guy, the strongest guy. Keep it simple. Aim for purpose. A wife and kid is an enviable life. So focus on that first and do all the other stuff later. Um, and then I, it's a stupid small point, but in that exchange in the car, Mills, Brad Pitt's character, is arguing against John Doe, the killer, and saying, well, you're not a messiah. You're not important like you think you are. You're a movie of the week. And I thought, that's funny, because you quite literally are a movie of the week. But the reason it's funny is because that was kind of my experience with this movie. Like, it's fine. It's a movie of the week like you. It's a movie of the week that I don't think I'm going to think about that much later. 
mm-hmm. that's what brings me to the things I didn't, I did not appreciate. I did not like as much. I actually thought that um, not in performance or in personality, but in reasoning, I thought Kevin Spacey's John Doe lacked an, an appeal that makes villains or serial killers more compelling. Yeah. What I mean by that is like, okay, he's doing these killings that are that are themed off the sins, and you know that he's going to do these in sequence pursuant to that theme. And then when they have this conversation, I'm thinking maybe he has something that he's going to say that's going to be really compelling and sort of change your perspective on why he's acting the way that he is. And he does have this bit about like, I can't believe we live in a world that tolerates sin and you say I'm the bad guy. But there was just no... In that piece, there was no real twist. Now, granted, for people that love this movie, well, the victims weren't detestable enough. And maybe it's that, too. It's like, OK, your explanation is I don't like fatties or sluts. So I killed them. Like, I understood that. If it doesn't mean that you have a boy. How about the acting on that guy that banged the chick to death with the knife? though? Oh, God. That, that has got to be like one of the most serious convincing pieces of acting i've ever seen uh i i will have to go back and watch it because full disclosure i was watching this um with my mom present in the room and so why (laughs) it was because we are what uh, a nightmare as i've discussed we're in the process of moving my parents and so my my mom was watching the movie with us and if my mom is listening and hasn't fallen asleep yet she (laughs) it's it's not the kind of material that you want to watch with your mom about how someone got uh how that's so, oh, the way someone was killed. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I just, there was something about the killer's appeal that just didn't do it for me. Like I, I just, mm, he yeah. didn't add enough to his case where I'm like, Oh, that's an interesting defense. Maybe he's kind of onto something, even if he went too far. I don't know. Um, I thought as for as much as you're praising the acting of the guy who killed the woman with the, uh, the, the knife, uh, intercourse, I thought Brad Pitt's acting at the end was terrible. And maybe it was a product I of I thought this. it was good. Oh, man. You killed my wife. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, God, no. <laughs> no way. Maybe you're right. <laughs> I didn't appreciate that at all. I thought it was oh. atrocious. But in fairness to, to Brad Pitt, maybe it was the writing. because the, the, I thought there's a lot of good writing in this movie. But that was just like, oh, golly gee, dang it, man. And then Listen I'm thinking the like. Maybe maybe he's actually faking it because he was freed of Gwyneth Paltrow as a wife, which which is actually serendipitous. That's a win. So maybe that's the way yeah. I'm supposed to interpret it. Speaking She's of so beautiful, though, as far as her character, though, I thought she was trash. I hate her. And not just because Gwyneth Paltrow plays her. I hate her because she's a trash wife. She kept the news of her pregnancy from her husband and then just goes and consults with this guy. She barely knows for just a couple days, considering the possibility of getting an abortion again without telling her husband. And then she gets exactly what she deserves, which is an immoral dismemberment, which was she was, which is what she was considering for her child. And then there was, yeah, all right. There was this, this, speaking of the abortion discussion, there was just this nonsense of Somerset, uh, uh, Morgan Freeman's character explaining to her, she announces the pregnancy. He says to her, oh man, you know, I, I, way back when I had a girlfriend and she got pregnant and, um, at my urging, she got an abortion, which I regret, but also no was the right decision. So you can gather there's some conflict, uh, it was the right decision. Yeah. So so I, I'm not even making this point that like, oh, he's a degenerate and he got an abortion. That's not what I'm saying here in my dispute with this point. It's that it's that it's a contradiction or an inconsistency with Somerset's character himself. 
his whole point early in the movie is man, a place or people that promote apathy as virtue. I can't tolerate that. And yet here he is having committed an immoral act earlier in his life, perhaps reconciling with that and instead urging someone else apathy on the issue. Well, you know, you could keep the baby and if you do, please spoil it or you could kill it. I don't really care. Mm. Also, apathy is not a virtue, though. I just. My dispute with this moment is not that he got the abortion. You know, I understand that there can be moral yeah. complexities in a good plot. My dispute is that he told me five seconds ago, you got to be morally clear and find purpose and not have apathy. And then when the moment comes for him not to be apathetic, he just punts. He just let he. And not only that, but he he seems to I forget the exact scripting. If I recall correctly, doesn't he encourage her? To never tell him if she gets an abortion. Tell him, yeah. Which is an additional, yeah. I mean, not only is the abortion itself a, a major moral issue as far as apathy goes, but the, the the moral issue of keeping that a secret from the husband involved. So I just, it's hard for me to take him seriously on this. Don't fall into apathy. That's a trap. When he's like the most apathy promoting guy in the movie. So I don't really like yeah. So I came out actually with the same rating that you did. I gave it a respectable three wiki rating. Why won't it play? What the hell was that? (laughs) Come on. Rough production night. Let's go. There we go. Okay. I'll allow it. I said it was worth a watch, but it's not really worth another. Uh, Because once you remove kind of the intrigue of the and the mystery of the killer's identity yeah. and motive, the moral concepts to me are kind of half baked and they, they didn't, they didn't hold up too well for me. So it's a three, okay. but that's perfectly respectable. It's, it's fine. Uh, early ratings from the audience here. People generally lo- love this movie fours and fives. About uh, two, two thirds of people giving it fours and fives. Not a lot of hate. Uh, holy get next week. We got to watch two movies effectively. What gone with the wind. So oh. manage your time. Have you seen it before? No, so it's four hours long. Right? It is. So I think I'm going to go with the one hour per day strategy <laughs> to get through this, but I will do it. And, uh, that's Very why we've nice. set a rule of four hours and we should, after we watch this one, since this is such a classic, I'll allow it, but I might want to revisit the, the time rule later on because four is really pushing it. But uh, after that, we have one more week to vote on October nominations from uh, the evolutionary conservative remaining nominees are Kingsman, the secret service arrival, the searchers old yeller, the grapes of wrath, or of course you can reject the list in favor of a randomly selected top rated movie. Instead, as a reminder, if you'd like to read my movie reviews, comment how wrong I am, submit your own rating, uh, sign up for the chance to be the movie nominator of the month or anything else movie uh, review related. The one and only place to do it is in my weekly movie review column linked in the description and on the homepage of the website. That is Matt Christensen media.com. All right. We got to catch up with our chats. Uh, just a few over on rumble here. Hillbilly deluxe says blonde looks and sounds fine. Technically speaking, no simp. Uh, yeah, so we don't have a connection issue with you. And my wife did text me to tell me that 
my connection with the stream is just fine. So as far as the audience yeah. experience, it should be no different. But has okay, my good. connection with you suffered or is it still? Oh, yeah, it sucks. It sucks a lot. Ah, well, we'll have to troubleshoot that maybe later in the week. I wonder what's going on. Shadow Band says, uh, who was that? Or who was it that recently challenged someone to find a rioting, looting gang, a group of whites? I think it was Fleckus. Also, I guess Gaza was just a mass illegal migrant psyop. After all, mo uh, more low IQ retards. Um, yeah, well, that would be uh, something of a demographic rarity. I'm, I'm trying to think of such an example. I don't know. Maybe if you go back to like Hurricane Katrina, was there some of that? I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm just I'm guessing where you might find it. I don't have a good example to give you. Cave Toad says it's very interesting how many sources and MAGA have shown their true colors when this Hamas Israel incident or with this. There's no way I am pro war death or innocence dying. Uh, Jesus saves. Yeah, it's uh, like I said earlier, it's less a matter of like a specific perspective and more the intensity with which that specific perspective is being kind of enforced upon people. That's what really gets me worried because uh, I think people, even the people who are a little more hawkish on this would say, yeah, of course, I'm not pro uh, death or innocence dying. I just recognize that if you allow Hamas to continue its existence, innocence will die because that's what they exist to do. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm not I don't even want to say that that they're that 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 the hawkish perspective is in, is inherently pro innocence dying or something like that. It's just uh yeah. Once again, certain questions shall not be asked. Certain skepticism shall not be had. Certain viewpoints will be enforced. And that's always going to get me a little bit nervous. Uh, thanks for supporting the show, Cave Toad. Appreciate it. Uh, this is a dangerous one. Nick Nar, Nick Nar, <laughs> 84. I was getting closer to becoming the second or we are getting closer to becoming the second communist U.S. state. The father's reaction does not surprise me to typical teenager actions. So I assume you would refer to uh, Minnesota as the second communist state, perhaps. Um, thank you, Nick Nar, and Godspeed. He said the N-word. Let's catch up on YouTube and Tippy. Uh, we're good on Odyssey. We're good on DLive. Sure, perfect gentleman. It's funny that 15 days ago you said Kanye was right or kill the Jays you called a Nazi. Today, it's stunning and brave. Well, uh, they'll still call you a Nazi. Oh, yeah, I guess. Has Kanye had a resurgence? Is Kanye back? Kanye could be know. dead I mean, for all I know. I haven't heard anything mm -hmm. from him for a long time. Yeah. Epic bonkers. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge is knowing a tomato is fruit, but knowing that you don't put it in a fruit salad. <laughs> Wisdom is knowing, I assume. Ah, is. well, thank you. Uh, very much appreciated. In common hands, Matt. That's Matt, a big game, man. <laughs> Matt wants a hit piece, but not to be doxxed. Even pregnant blonde can still be a fox. Don't simp if your bagel has locks. But seriously, guys, what's in the box? My rhymes ain't against the law. Fuck <sighs> you, as always. God bless. Uh, God, I need to get. I'm, I'm, where the hell's my LaDonna? I'm too disorganized. I wasn't prepared for that. I can't even find it. What the? F I'm going to blame this on Raju Mahan. He must have done something to me. It's not against the law. Oh, fuck you. There we go. Um, Sorry, my dad just asked me if I want a pint of ice cream from Baskin Robbins. I have my uh, wow. gestational diabetes test coming up, so I figure <laughs> I better um, 
You better get diabetic ASAP. I better get (laughs) You better pass. I was just going to eat an apple after the show, but now I'm going to eat a whole pint of ice cream. Uh, When's the Um, test? Tomorrow? No. I'm 26 weeks, so I don't know. At some point. Um, Eric J, any politician that advocates for war must have a child of theirs, 18 plus, conscripted into the Army or Marine, sent to basic training and infantry school and sent to the most forward operation area in the conflict. That's a fair ask, I think. They, people people would sure. sell out their kids, though. I, I actually, you, you're tidbits. probably right. Some might. Some might do that. Yeah, I think so, too. Um... I got to reload. Damn. Epic Bonkers says ammo prices do surge at least in the short term. Uh, 223, 556, 762 uh, by 39. Uh, and 22 long rifle are worth grabbing in the next two days or wait to buy in six months. Submit to God always. Proverbs equals wisdom. 10 out of 10. Thanks for the intel. I heard I saw some reports circulating that a major manufacturer of um, of of 223 or 556, you know, generally common AR ammo that they were going to military or law enforcement exclusive or something like that. And this was going to be a major share of the market that was going to become unavailable to civilian purchasers. Now, um, if you're interested in buying ammunition, particularly of uh, your common calibers, like your nine mil, your 45, your five, five, six, they don't make AK ammo because they don't serve commies. And I do have uh, a commercial relationship with them. But if you're interested in a very entertaining ammo company, with the right ideals and does the opposite actually serves only civilian customers, not military and police Phoenix ammo. They are your guys. F E N I X ammo.com or it might be Phoenix ammunition.com. I can't remember, but a uh, good place to go for your ammunition needs. Uh, thanks for the Intel. Long Dong John says had been, has been turned the Gaza strip into the Gaza crater yet. I've been in deep with the Australian referendum and the salt mining afterwards. I haven't looked uh, much at the news. Now I had um, our Australian friend. Uh, uh, well, Ben has his insult. You're an asshat. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. I had uh, my Australian uh, assistant, our call screener, dangerous spaces earlier today, trying to explain to me what the hell this uh, Australian referendum was that failed. I still don't understand it, but they had some nationwide vote on whether indigenous peoples or first nation peoples, as they call them ripping off Canada, I guess like Aboriginal people, whatever that they were going to be federally recognized and then given a federal advisory role or an advisory role within their nationwide government. But I don't even know what that means. And Australian voters said no in every single Australian state or province, whatever term they use down under, I can't remember. But there wasn't a single region of Australia that said yes to this proposal, which I guess is somewhat surprising. Uh, thank you, Long Don John. Uh, I have Phil up next if you're ready to take over. Another week and yet more temper tantrums from little Benny and his tribe. Perhaps in the end, we're all screwed, but it's funny to see them realize they've destroyed the only people who would have defended them. And now they're on their own. I, I don't know who you could possibly be talking about. Phil. You're an asshat. Uh, I, the only thing I dispute is that, uh, th- well, I guess I, I, maybe I'm misunderstanding what Phil means because I wouldn't even say that. I, I just wonder, I, I, I think there's going to be more involvement in this. I don't think it's going to be a, an on his own type thing. I think there's going to be plenty of military uh, involvement of all sorts in that region. And, uh, 
And I think we're in for probably a long-term conflict here, but I'm sure Phil would probably actually agree with that premise. I think I'm just misunderstanding what he means. Um, thank you, Phil. Appreciate it. Here's your hundred rounds in the chamber, a concept called metal storm from Wikipedia. Metal storm has created a 36 barreled stack projectile volley gun, boasting a fire rate of just over 1 million. What? <laughs> one M rounds a minute. <laughs> a million rounds a minute. That's pretty close. Oh, yeah. That's, that's pretty better than a hundred rounds in the chamber, I guess. Thank you for the Intel. I, I'll have to look that one up. Uh, Jenny Bath, please pray for my neck because the Republican politicians gave me whiplash of how fast they went from anti-war in Ukraine to pro-genociding Palestinians. Uh, yeah, that, is, that was an abrupt true. turnaround. You're right. Yeah. Um, Esoteric Unbound. The horseshoe theory at work, um, it will be interesting to see how many of the uber-sturm wankers of social media soften their anti-Semitic edginess now. It's been Taken up by leftist fans of baby beheading sand Nazis. Sand Nazis, as in Hamas, right? Yep. Um, yeah, yeah, well, this is, uh, this is one... It's, this issue is very interesting to watch, too, and yet I'm not, I'm not dismissing the, the moral issue at stake here. Yes, there, is, there are major mass life and death issues in play, but just politically, in terms of watching how things align... Um, this is definitely like a, a strange bedfellows scenario where I see people who don't agree on anything agreeing on this on both sides of it. It's, uh, that's, uh, that's kind of interesting to watch as well. So anyway, um, then we've got ghost of recon 50% are children. If, and only if you count people 25 and under, maybe that's it. I, I have a tendency uh, to believe this, though. They yeah, seem to maybe. be having a lot of kids. Did we miss uh, moist farts? I don't want to miss moist oh. farts. Uh, I don't see any Halloween costume suggestions. Ping 2 could fabricate a great blonde's nose costume for Matt. The hard part is going to be finding enough canvas or newspaper to replicate that monstrosity. <laughs> okay. No, blonde it's so can, bad. Blonde can be a Kleenex white bedsheet with eye holes. And he also called us faggots. He is. Listen, you, this is a temporary measure. My nose is what I'm doing for my family. This is the sacrifice I'm making for my family right now. Dude, this system isn't even... Get this baby out of me. I, I click a sounder and it plays like five seconds later and then half of it. Anyway, we're trying. Thanks for your patience with yeah. the production. Uh, I don't know. Is my internet connection shit tonight except for, for the stream? It seems like it's having trouble it's going cleared to you. Up. And, all right. Uh, Phil, some people start some wars and then dump the problems on us. It's time we told them no and quit being guilt tripped into handing over our homelands. I could not agree more. I could not agree more. Why can't we just be like, no, we're not going to become involved in this. We're not going to cover it. We're not going to give you any money. Figure it out. Uh, that would be a dream, but that's not what's going to happen. That's for sure. Let's see. Uh, um, oh yeah. You got the next. Sorry. Ryan Haas, I got to catch the replay again, but wanted to share the results that I got back from my post stem cell therapy scan. I'm in remission, feeling on top of the world. Thanks for all the streams while I was in the thick of it. I'm so glad to hear that. That's great. Thank well, you, great Ryan. News. Glad to hear it. We love you. You're very special. I, I know it's been, uh, I was just going to say for Ryan, I know it's been really tough, so I'm glad to hear uh, of some improvement. He has... Uh, I, I don't want to comment on the specifics of his. I don't want to comment on the specifics because I don't know if I'm at liberty to do it. But tough he's stuff. He super chatted us about it though. Maybe I just don't. I can't remember. And without that, I don't want to. I don't want to say anything I'm not supposed to say. But I do know Sorry. it's been very tough, and I I'm glad to hear of some 
some improvement in condition. And I'm, and I, uh, if I haven't said it before, uh, I, I take it as a personal honor that our show is, uh, is able to bring somebody like Ryan, who's in a very tough position health wise, a little bit of, uh, enjoyment or comfort or just distraction during a tough period of time. So thank you for that. Oh, and thanks for being a part of, uh, of, of the show and keeping the show operational as well. Distraction is key, Ryan. Um, we're praying for you. Mint 20. All these congressmen crying over the attack in Israel has really made me think how nice, I uh, think that it must be nice living in a country that Congress actually wants to protect and help. Prosper. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Really living the dream. Uh, esoteric. I'm bound. Great, great, great grandma blonde. To be clear, I don't care about some inbred archduke or any smelly Serb radicals, and I won't care until I'm made to. History, hold my schnapps. Now they might force uh, you to care. That's true. Yeah, that's true. And and I I do care about European history. I do. I care about that. I just don't. You know, like in what world is it normal for an Idaho mid thirties mom? to like give a shit about the Israel Palestine conflict. Like, yeah, this I think, is not normal for society. Not all of us should be having opinions. Well, and I think it, it's also stuff. completely honest to say, I can look at the killing of innocent people by either side and say bad while also saying, I don't think it's my country's job to police. I think it is a matter for settlement uh, between those warring peoples because I recognize that both as a moral matter and, a, and as a practical matter, we do not have the capacity yeah. to police all the world's conflicts. The counter then would be, well, this is a particularly consequential conflict. And if you allow this one to fester, all of a sudden it's World War Three, and uh, it's at your shores and you are involved by virtue of the threat presented to you. Um, you know, maybe may, and maybe my my worldview on this is completely wrong. All I will say is that the the approach of world policing we have been trying for decades on end now with little positive effect. I know I'm arguing a little bit of a counterfactual here by saying what might it be like if we tried something else that we haven't necessarily been trying? I just I, if we try something else, does it get a lot worse than what we've already experienced, which is bankrupting our country, having people attack us anyway, losing thousands of people in wars that aren't even necessarily ours? I, I mean, I guess when the Hamas paraglider, the motorized paraglider showed up, show up on our shores and I got to shoot them out of the sky with my own rifle that I'll say, yeah, well, they told me so. And they were right. Um, and now I but, care. But at some point, it's like you have to recognize, at least I feel like I have to recognize that the status quo and the approach of policing all the world's conflicts has not produced the, the results that we're looking for. It would be smart to try something else and focus on our own affairs in our own country. Um, I don't know. Give it a whirl. That's all I'm asking. Give it a shot. Let's yeah, give really. it a try. Just one time and not just pretend you're doing it. Like yeah. actually do it. Seriously. Try. Uh, Boogeyman 917. I doubt it. But I also wish Bigfoot was real. Matt, any chance of Bigfoot podcast in the future? <laughs> Cheers. I doubt it. Um, I did kind of mention that with Frank a little bit. I forget if that was on his show or when we were talking on our show. Because he loves to get into a lot of those sort of supernatural themes. And Bigfoot is the one that's most compelling to me. So maybe in the future, I'm not like uh, I don't I'm not studied on a lot of uh, a lot of Bigfoot history, if you can even call it that. I'm just generally fascinated with it because it's one of those things that kind of all cultures really have a legend about. And it's like, whether it's American Indians or whether it's Europeans or whether it's Asians, like the, this ape mm -hmm. person walking across all the world's landscapes, mysteriously never to be discovered is kind of a, it's just one of those myths or legends that sort of transcends culture. And I find that to be really interesting. And the other reason I love Bigfoot is just as a metaphor 
for how to think about life. That is to say, um, whether you think Bigfoot is really out there or not, there are all sorts of aspects of the modern world that we don't understand and seem insane when presented to us um, without that understanding or just in the abstract. And it's only when you entertain what seem like crazy ideas that you get to deeper levels of the truth. And so that's kind of what Bigfoot uh, symbolizes to me. Even if he's not real, his symbolic value is philosophically important. And so I honor him nonetheless. Fine, whatever. Uh, that's the check out. I read that one. Citizen 7. Utterly amazing that Biden isn't sending boots on the ground to recover our people when 19 other countries have to recover theirs. Talk about America last. I truly hate this man. I think we is, all do. Is that true? 19 other countries have sent guys in um, that I didn't know. And if that's true, that's kind of you'd think they'd have some kind of a, a, a uniform force. When I talk about what is obviously a, a generally um, isolationist perspective that I'm offering here. I think that is the the most difficult thing that I have to answer for. What do you do about American citizens who are who are trapped there, possibly kidnapped, all of that? If I'm going to argue that we don't have necessarily have an obligation to get involved on behalf of the state of Israel, our ally or whatever, what am I going to argue on behalf of American citizens who are lost there? Do we have an obligation to send in our guys to go put themselves at great risk of being killed or captured by Hamas militants to get people who we're in a dangerous situation to begin with. Granted, they weren't in Gaza. They were in Israel. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I want a U.S. government who's going to protect its citizens abroad. What are the limitations of that? How, yeah. What what situation is too dangerous for you to put yourself in before your country has a duty to go get you? And is this is this one? Obviously, I'm thinking about this on the spot. I don't have a great answer for that right now. Um, I because it. Like if you ask me, you send special forces into Gaza right now to go get them. First of all, do we even know where these American citizens are? Like, where do you even send these guys? This yeah. is a city of 2 million people. Where are they going to kick down every door that's already been blown to smithereens? Where are they going? How do you even organize a mission like that? I don't know. I don't have a great answer on that. And I'm not pretending to. Do you have uh, any, any thoughts about how to handle that? Uh, the the issue of people, American citizens over there. Yeah. To what extent should I we mean, be going to get those people who are, who've been kidnapped and taken? I think to Gaza? we should negotiate. We should negotiate, uh, based on their credentials as American citizens. What kind of Americans were they? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Should we do it for uh, all American citizens? No, no, probably not. Well, we got Brittany Griner. So, I mean, there? presumably, okay. How about this? We go to Hamas and say, you want Brittany Griner. Okay. There's a lot of unholiness yeah, in her. Really. You can have her back for these people. And they'll say, all right, deal. Yikes. Uh, there's even the moral That's question though. Like, let's say you had the, okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Cause I, I would go on and on. Um, I know you had a hard um, edit. No, I mean, we, we, don't you think that the, that the quality of the person should dictate whether or not we make these massive negotiations? I, I would, I don't know that I would evaluate. Now, I guess maybe if it's the sort of person that is expressly like disavowed the United States or something, maybe. But as far as other generic ideologies or like, were they a nice person or a bad person? My evaluation would come on the danger to the military personnel that we're sending in. 
You know, like if you're a crap person, but you're yeah. an American citizen who's pretty easily recoverable, I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I suppose if you're, if you're a great person who's behind the most formidable terrorist army in the world and all of our guys are going to be at great risk to go get this this person who is excellent. I don't know. I think that would be my evaluation. Danger of the situation, not quality of the person. Yeah. Okay. But I, well, I'm not surprised to hear you I say have a heart that. out tonight. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah. Who, uh, who can decide? Who can decide? Uh, that would be the real disaster because they wouldn't go save me now, would they? But I also wouldn't be in the Gaza Strip. Under any I wouldn't expect you to, uh, but stranger times may bring you to such a place. We'll see. All right. Uh, I will catch Thanks you on Thanks for joining us. And Wednesday. we, I will see you guys on Wednesday. And I will finish okay. out with the uh, the chat here and we'll call it a night. Bill Biz uh, says Israel couldn't be a little opportunistic about their Gaza response, could they? I mean, I don't I don't have evidence to make that accusation, of course, uh, other than I, I just I just find the whole circumstances of the initial attack and the degree to which it was a surprise to be strange. OK, that doesn't mean that it was intentional to pursue a certain objective. Um, I just like a lot of things. Anytime there is an intelligence failure of that scale, you have to ask questions about it. How did that happen? Why did that happen? And that that's about as far as I could get down that trail. But we'll see. Uh, thank you, Bill. Knuckle Hunky Buck says it's too bad they don't have ebony alerts to find the location of missing fathers. Okay. Uh, it would overload the system. Anyway. Uh Thank you, Knuckle Hunky Buck. Refresh here and grab the rest of our, our chats. Uh, let's see. Oh, where did I leave off? My gosh. Okay. Uh, Holden Mulray, academic question. If you had the power to draw a dividing line for a national split and had it and it had to be somewhat equitable, how would you draw it? Assume folks migrate afterward accordingly. Yeah, I mean, the trouble uh, geographically is that a lot of our coastal places tend to be uh, communistic in their in their views. And so if you're going to have a country, practically speaking, those of us who want to maintain some degree of constitutional fidelity or something that looks like the founding intent of this country, you're going to you're going to have to have some sort of sea access. I guess that would probably come through Texas, maybe the Gulf. Uh, so if you're going to divide this up and agree to some deal, I think you have to write off the West Coast pretty much in its entirety. And New England or the northern the Northeast seaboard there. So I think if you're going to get, if you're going to surrender or surrender is the wrong word, if you're going to agree to give those pieces of territory in exchange for your own country, uh, what you keep is really like the American heartland and the Gulf sea access is probably how I would do that. Uh, yeah. And assume people migrate afterward. Now I, I, uh, in general, like the, the as far as like living in the South or the Gulf, and in my vision of how this would work, like states like Montana, Wyoming, Idaho would be included in that country that stretches from the mountains down to the Gulf Coast. But I don't know that I could ever like status quo. I don't know that I could ever live in the South or the Gulf or anything. Just as far as the climate, but if I was given the promise of being left alone by these people in a country that actually respected. Uh, our constitutional rights as designed, I would, uh, and then that was guaranteed. I would definitely pack up my family and move to greener pastures if I had to. Thank you, Holden. Michael Anderson says metal storm tech places many projectiles or charges in a single barrel or a chamber barrels form up into a raise fires, charges electronically objective was to make walls of bullets for double a applications. AA anti-air I assume. Okay. 
walls of bullets. That's very interesting. So there's like some degree of this tech existing, which I'm sure is exactly what Joe Biden was talking about. Of course. Thank you for the insight. Um, Ryan Spratt says, just got engaged to my girlfriend of two plus years tonight. So blessed to have her and wanted to spread the joy to my favorite YouTube podcast duo. God bless. Well, congratulations to you. Uh, and I and all the best to you too. And thanks for supporting the show. Very much appreciated. Congratulations, butthead. Senator Kennedy offers his congratulations as well. Uh, disturbed 2K7. We should all congratulate this turtle guy's successful gender transition surgery provided by Georgia State Troopers. That's true. It was a state-funded gender transition, and it was a successful operation by the sound of it. Chimp in a bow tie says public pronouncements like Kruger's tweets should be construed to have legal weight of a police confession. How many Republican family men have denounced bundles of sticks only to get rumbled <laughs> at the local glory hole? Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I definitely see what you're saying. I worry that like, uh, I don't know. There have been a lot of gay themes discussed on this show and potentially I might implicate myself with such a standard. But uh but yeah, like when someone is just coming out denying like a, some concept in general that seemingly has nothing to do with them and they're all forceful about it in the way that Kruger was and in the way that certainly a lot of um, of of alleged family values Republicans in the past have have had scandals like that come out. Yeah, it's sort of weird, like when it's just out of nowhere and really seemingly has nothing to do with anything, but it's very specific and forceful that might raise a few eyebrows. Uh Slosher says, uh, showing some love, Matt, put a restraining order on me for doing that once. Oh, I see. I thought you were telling me to do that. You're saying I did put a restraining order on you for doing that once. I, I would never uh, I would never do such a thing. I love all of my chatters, of course. Uh, Mojack. That's a big game, man. Mojack420 says, I just found out chemo wasn't working, so now I'm starting a new treatment. I should be blackpilled on life, but I believe in my heart God is using this to bring me back to him. Love you all. Well, uh, thank you as well. I know uh, you've, you've been dealing with a, a difficult health issue as well, Mojack. And I'm sorry to hear about a little bit of a setback, but if you're able to maintain uh, perspective on purpose and about, uh, and, and about a life well lived despite that, that's really great to hear. And uh, wishing you all the best with your next stages of, of treatment. And um, and I appreciate your your wisdom and your perspective in a challenging time. So all the best. And of course, keep us uh, updated. I want to uh, I want to hear how your journey goes. And thanks for supporting the show. Knuckle Hunky Buck says, is Chad Aladdin a nickname? Did he cuck the beta genie? Yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking with Stacy Jasmine. But uh, you're right. There's a, there's a few different joke angles you can take there. Uh, what was the monkey's name in Aladdin? I can't remember. Uh, Slosher says Chad Aladdin sounds more like a made up. Uh, sounds like a, a name that's more made up or more of a made up name than McLovin. Maybe he did. I know he kept his son's identity private. Now his son is a minor as far as I understand. So it's I, I suppose that's not odd to do. But I wonder if Chad Aladdin is indeed the real name. Brian Friesen says, hey, Matt and Blonde, longtime listener, first time supporting. Well, thank you for that. Regarding Israel, the Arab region is steeped in revenge culture. And the only way to stop the violence is to refuse to harbor murder in the heart. Yeah, uh, I, I would not be the guy to advise how to survive and prosper in the Arab world and or the Middle East. Um, good luck is my is my prescription on that one that's my piece of advice um because i i just don't 
I know that we have periods of relative peace and then we have periods of heightened conflict like we are right now. But we've been doing this experiment. And when I say we, I mean the world, I guess I guess we to the extent the U.S. has had direct involvement. But we've had this experiment with with this country in that part of the world for decades now. And um, this this vision of of a peace in the region that is that is longstanding and stable. I mean, I guess you could argue that there were hints of that in recent years. You had peace agreements between Israel and uh, neighboring countries that were not previously achieved. Supposedly, there was one coming with Saudi Arabia. So I, I, I would have to acknowledge that there was some trajectory in that way. But every this just strikes me as one of those situations where it's like once one step forward, two steps back or two steps forward, maybe one step back. I don't know that the the overall trajectory is one that's towards peace and stability. It I and I, that's frustrating. Like I don't I don't because I, I don't know what you recommend on that. Like what do you do? Do you just if you're the state of Israel, what do you do? Pack it up and go home? You just quit? You just stop? And that doesn't make a lot of sense either. Uh, but um, you know I'm I'm coming at this from a perspective of an, of an American with concerns about the American government and American politics and the American citizen. And uh, while I certainly understand and recognize that's a very difficult situation to solve, um, it's a situation that's on the other side of the world. We got our own problems to solve uh, before we could ever think about handling those. Uh, thank you, Brian. And thanks for supporting the show. Regal Fregal says, you're exactly right about everyone moralizing on the Israel news. And I'm sick of it. Matt is the reason that you don't like seven more because the deep thinking subjects are not explicit in the dialogue, but implicit in the symbology. I don't know. I mean, I liked the writing in it and um, obviously I had praise for several pieces of the dialogue. So there's plenty of stuff that's explicit about it. I, I, it, I it's just something about Kevin Spacey's character, the, the, the murderer that just didn't, it lacked an appeal to me. And the best villains are those that have like some kind of charismatic quality or some point that you sort of see, even if you don't agree with their actions. I don't know what exactly was missing because I, I do see the point that he's making. I'm looking at a world that embraces and promotes sin in the exact way that he's describing. So it's like, he's making a point that I, that I can grant, even though that doesn't justify his killings. Obviously, I don't know. It's hard for me to put my finger on it. It's just something about his character that, that doesn't, that I just don't find that compelling for a villain. And so it failed to pull me in, in that way. Uh, maybe I'll have to think some more about exactly what it is, but that that's the thing for me. Uh, thanks, Regal Fregal. Hurricane Katrina says, you know uh, why they call me Hurricane Katrina? Because <laughs> I'm... What? Because <laughs> I make women wet and kill uh, a certain demographic. That's all I can say. Jeez. Uh, Thunderstorm said, what would you do if, if you win two, uh, $10 million? CDs, silver, or or... <laughs> gold uh well how how dare you smear gold in this way i think gold's cool gold is obviously just higher value and it's tougher to exchange for smaller goods that's why you know silver is if you have to pick one precious metal i'm on team silver i suppose but one day i hope to rise to menendez levels and get to you know get into a little bit of uh, gold investing one step at a time utp216 says i hope this covers the uh susan tax i wanted to send 10 bucks Thank you both for an awesome show. I look forward to it every Sunday evening. Well, thank you. Yes, uh, they do take 30% over at uh, the old YouTube. So thanks for covering that fee for us. It's appreciated. Uh, Holden Mulray says, Holden's Axiom. The 1990s were the absolute 
Nadir, N-A-D-I-R. I don't know how to pronounce that. The I assume you mean like the height of American culture, music, movies, sports, politics, etc. When I saw Seven, it was nineteen. Uh, when I saw Seven was nineteen ninety five. I thought, yeah, that sounds about right. Oh, when you when you saw that Seven was made in nineteen ninety five, there were a lot of good. I assume you mean that uh, you liked the movie. I suppose, unless I'm misunderstanding you. Uh, it seems like the nineties had a lot of. Uh, a lot of good movies and a lot of good music, or maybe that's just cause I was like, I didn't grow up in the nineties per se. Like I was, uh, I turned in 2000, I turned 13. So it was like my early childhood that was in the nineties. So less music and movies and more like Nickelodeon culture is what I'm familiar with as far as the nineties go. But it seems like the nineties were a pretty sweet time. Uh, Slosher says Hamas won't uh, paraglide into the U S they'll walk across the border and Democrats will call you racist. If you say anything about it. Um, thank you for your, uh, for your support for the show tonight, uh, slosher as well. It's very much appreciated Dutch Schaefer, Over a billion, 200, a trillion, 200 billion dollars. Dutch Schaefer says, uh, what would have happened to Brad Pitt's character had happened if this had happened in real life? Uh, would he have went to jail? That's a very interesting thought. Uh, probably because there was no imminent threat presented to him in the moment. I guess like, let's put it this way. He, 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 he killed John Doe without an imminent threat being presented to him, even though that guy had killed his wife. So by the letter of the law, I think he probably would have been charged. The question is, would a jury actually convict him? And you might find a situation in which a jury just refuses to do that. If a guy comes to you and says, hey, I killed your wife and your unborn son or daughter uh, and you shoot him in retaliation. I don't know that a lot of juries would be eager to convict, even if the letter of the law says he should be. Uh Injured Guardian says, Matt, you should read Working for Bigfoot by Jim Butcher. Also buy a war nickel, a mercury dime, a silver quarter, and a walking liberty half dollar to set aside for the inbound little one. Well, thank you for the advice. And I don't know Working for Bigfoot. As far as like uh, my stacking, I have I have purchased for the, uh, the, the value of the silver alone. Like I don't do uh, collector stuff. Not because I have any dispute with that, but just because... I'm not into the collector market and like what, what collector value certain rare coins have or that that's never been my thing. Uh, but maybe as I develop more of an interest in it, I'll have a more of an interest in, in finding specific coins or things like that. Um, for now, you know, I, I'm just interested in buying the generic raw materials for the sake of the value of the raw materials. But, uh, thank you injured guardian. Appreciate that. Thanks for your support for the show. Uh, we're good on Rumble, we're good on Odyssey, and we're good on DLive. So let me give a quick refresh. We'll call it a night. And yeah, I think we're all set. So uh, we'll end it there. And of course, thank you guys for uh, joining us this evening. Appreciate all your contributions to the show, your live chats, your super chats. Uh, reminding us of the facts that we missed along the way and of course submitting the best jokes to the show that uh, I am not clever enough to write myself so thank you for all of those things if you're listening later on demand of course thank you kindly as well for tuning in it's much appreciated if you'd like more of the show to listen to if you can't get enough remember there's more material over on the audio platforms of the show you can head on over to the podcast page of the website check it out you'll get the uh, wednesday call-in show replays some of blonde's interviews some other stuff you might not find on youtube matt christiansenmedia.com slash podcast speaking of matt christiansenmedia.com is where you find everything show related or matt is.gay 
We'll be back next Sunday, because if it's Sunday, sorry, uh, whoever's hosting the show, it's not Meet the Press. It is the Matt and Blonde Show. Have a good night. <laughs>